Um, today is going to be a spoilerific episode of the podcast, isn't it? Yeah, we're just opening up everything, Carl. Because we have uh, we missed last week's episode, you know, for personal issues. I don't want to get into because uh, you know yeah. What? But to be fair, like <laughs> I had saved the QA episode for last week. Yes, like, so people, when we had a missing episode, so yeah. people didn't miss out on content. But um, I, I almost apologise them for saying, "Oh, I'm really sorry." <laughs> it's like no, no, like stuff happened in my personal life, and I don't want to go into it. I, I'm I'm entitled to a private life anyway. You are, yeah, yeah. Uh, we've done like we've not done, but we've watched and played a lot of things in the uh, the meantime. And we have in the last couple of weeks, yeah. What are the things we were going to talk spoilers for today, just so we can get it right out of the way so anyone's like, okay, I've not done that thing, or I'm not aware of that thing, or I'm still in the middle um, of that thing. It was so Squid, I remember Squid Game. There was Squid Game, yeah, for sure. There was um, Metroid Dread. Yes. What else were we going to say that we were going to spoil or have a conversation uh, about? I said Black Widow, but I feel like it's so irrelevant now. Oh, no, What If? What If as well. Okay, so should we yeah. do full Black Widow and What If into one? We'll just do, yeah, the Marvel section. And you know what? For this episode, I will try to just keep um, a couple of timestamps just so you can be like, well, at this point, we'll talk about Squid Game. This point, we'll talk about Metroid. This part, we'll talk about Marvel. So okay, if you're yeah, missing out on one of those, I'll have in the description just when you can skip to to ignore that bit. Okay. Um, but before that, though, there is something I did want to discuss. It's um, on my daily scroll of the internet, you know, my doom scroll to find stuff to talk about, find the bad course, takes and all yeah. stuff like that. Um, I stumbled across something um, that was just really intriguing to myself, especially given what's going on in the world um, uh, on the internet. It's something that's quite big on the internet, and that is the... Um, have you heard anything about the Gabby Petito case? I believe that's how you pronounce her name. Uh, no. What is this case? Uh, she's the YouTuber. Like She was like a van life blogger or a travel blogger, and she went missing. And they found her body, and like her boyfriend oh, slash right, okay. partner yeah, I is I... now... Missing about the news when she was found, but yeah. And we're not going to be talking about that, but that has led to a lot of discussion about um, just the internet's weird obsession with crime. And specifically, podcasts, you know, quite relevant to what we're doing right now, Hmm. their obsession with crime. Because I believe the most uh, just like common topic amongst podcasts is ones discussing true crime or just crimes in general. And there was a great article I read, I believe it's on Gawker or something like that, where it's about true crime is melting people's brains because so many people now are binging it like they would a TV show. Right, okay. And here's the thing, like, you know, there's a lot of things from history that are quite unsavory, that, you know, are interesting to talk about, interesting to discuss and read and just, you know, hear people have, um, uh, you know, delve into. But when it comes to true crime, a lot of these things happened within living memory. And in the specific case, it's Gabby Petito. It's happening right now. Yes. Like, her family is currently, like, you know, going through what, you know, just the aftermath of, you know, their beloved family member being killed. And there yeah. are people online on podcasts discussing the case as it's happening and, oh like, you know, God. theorizing about the case. And that led me to something I thought was a joke. Okay. And that is... Uh, and, Lucas, you have a Patreon, don't you? I have a Patreon indeed, yes. Uh, I'm presuming, like you mentioned, I can link it below. But um, just do you want to describe Patreon and like what you do on there? Um, so Patreon is just essentially um, one of many places that, for example, content creators can make a page and then gain like monetary support through that. And then in turn, either it, sometimes it's just like a support page, other times people offer 
you know, exclusive podcast episodes or images or uh, physical rewards or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And are you currently aware of who is one of the most subscribed to or pledged to patrons on Patreon? Uh, no, I'm not. Well, I do. And it's um, uh, a podcast called True Crime Obsessed. Okay. I'm just now going to send you a link to True Crime Obsessed. I'm going to send you a link. Now, you just click on my Patreon and describe it to me. Don't scroll down. Okay. Don't scroll down just yet. Just look at it and just describe it to me as you see it. Um, it's very pink. Very pink, yes. Very, very what? pink. So the, the the header image is like presumably the two people who do the podcast. Yes. Like, you know, in a very exaggerated fashion. Yep. The good old like Home Alone tech, but without the uh, without the hands to the face, but then just pink confetti all over them, and then underneath that is like their logo, and then a selector membership level. Yeah, well, Lucas, I just want you to just to um, just tell me like, how happy do the people in the image look to be taught? Like you know, they look very very happy considering it's something about true crimes, which presumably they're not exactly a happy topic. No, these are horrific crimes where people got horribly murdered that occurred within living human memory. And the victims mm. of which are still alive in a lot of cases. Or, you know, survivors of stuff or like family members and stuff are still alive. And now and I want their to do... tagline is, True Crime Obsessed is creating podcasts of the non-garbage variety. Mm-hmm, non-garbage variety. And now, Lucas, I want you to scroll down and just tell me what the minimum tier is on their Patreon. Uh, so the minimum tier is £4 a month. Presumably that's about $5 a month. Yep, and we'll just go with the minimum for now. Now scroll down and tell me how many patrons they have. Uh, oh my god. 46,256 at the time of recording. Mm-hmm. And uh, now I want you to scroll down and I want you to read they're about true crime obsessed. Oh god, no. Yeah, okay. because it starts this... with all caps. Hi! We love you. We're so freaking psyched you want to join our Patreon fam. Yeah, and this is the thing. From that opening line, Lucas, do you think these people discuss these horrific crimes within human, living human memory in a sensitive or, um, uh, you know... Just it seems like te- they're going for, you know, the fair enough, like, normal situation, kind of like, let's get hype, let's be excited, let's talk about some cool stuff, and I'm fine with that, but when it's talking about people being horrifically murdered, it's a weird vibe. It is, yes, but keep reading, Lucas. Okay. Um, Hello, you gorgeous, non-garbage people. Um, This is Gillian Pensaval and Patrick Hines. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure why it's Pat.Trick Hines, but yeah. Uh, With musical notes around the names. Uh, We absolutely love making this podcast for you, and the fact you love listening to it and want to support us makes us want to flip tables in the best way and literally throw the hero ball to you because we are obsessed with you. Yeah, and you can stop now, Lucas, but what's the vibe you're getting from these two people so far? Uh, Hi, this is fun. We love you all. This is great. Generic YouTuber. If I was to Uh, say, like, the generic YouTuber, you said it right there, the Home Alone Macaulay Culkin, just, oh, face. They're literally doing that. But remember, they're talking about true crime. These are horrific crimes where people were horribly murdered uh, and now yeah. lucas they, and i will for- just say they take a deep dive into longer true crime docuseries like the serial staircase making a murderer and the jinx and i'm like as somebody's watched making a murderer that is not something i would talk about with glee and here's the thing lucas because you've just like skipped ahead a little bit 
They take okay. a deep dive into true crime docuseries. So, well, the thing I was going to ask you is, you'd think they're making, what, 46,000 patrons? If you go for it, the minimum, £4. So what's mm-hmm. 46 times 4? Like nearly 200, uh, so... Well, four, 46 would be, yeah, 180-something thousand. So they're making, at the very least, £180,000 a month. And you think for £180,000 a month, at least, and nearly a hundred grand each, mm-hmm. you'd expect there to be, at the very least... Surely they're offering some sort of unique perspective on this, or they're like, you know, very knowledgeable about these subjects. Right? Um, for, for this amount of money, you'd think, like, this is the creme de la creme. Like, this is the absolute best true crime pro- podcast to exist. Like, do they actually, do they, I'm expecting to get a Ouija board out at this rate and talk to the actual victims with the um, amount of money they're expecting. Either that or be, you know, something along the lines of um, an expert in the field, like maybe they're a forensic science or something like that. Yeah, something that you don't really get from them saying, hi, uh, like they were on an episode yeah. of RuPaul's Drag Race. So, Lucas, these podcast episodes, um, they're not like recapping and discussing and deep delving into crimes. They're recapping, discussing, and deep delving into episodes of TV shows that cover the crimes. So they're not even doing any original research. They're talking about the episodes of the shows that already did it all. They're recapping TV shows. To be fair, it's a hustle. It is a hustle. And I, as somebody who introduced um, the like non-researched part of Fact Fiend to Fact Fiend, I, That's I can't fair, really yeah. say too much about that. That's the thing, though. Like, If we were getting paid £100,000 a month to read at Wiki Weekends, like, you know, it's, that's one thing. But we're not reading like wiki pages about horrific, horrible murders. No, like, we're reading things about, like, comic book characters and anime characters and stuff. Because that's something I wanted to mention. Like, yeah, we do do Wiki Weekends, so we do something quite similar. But we're taking a very light tone with Wiki Weekends, much the same with these are. But the thing we're taking a light tone with is literal fiction, or in the rare times where we do something from real life, um, it's very absurd. Like, mm-hmm. I think we did the one about uh, the accidents that have happened at Disneyland, where yeah, a couple um... of those were people did die, but they're so absurd and it's so out of left field. And you actually genuinely see us go like, oh no, we, we get horrified. Part, I think most of the content in that video was talking about like the silly accidents and most of the deaths we just kind of took out. Yeah, and you can actively see that we are horrified at our own reactions of making light of this. Yeah. Whereas that is like, no, their entire deal and they're getting paid like £100,000 a month each to recap episodes of a TV show. Well, it gets better because... While researching, I found out they'll sometimes just recap podcasts. <laughs> so they'll make podcasts recapping other people's actually researched podcasts. Ah, uh, right. Okay, and yeah. charge people to listen to them. God. But Lucas, we're not done yet because, like, already I'm guessing the vibe you're getting from these people is not great. But I would now, like, I'm going to send you um, a just the bio. Of Jillian. Uh, the thing is, it's this like, is how she describes herself. I want you to I've, read it, Lucas, and tell me how much does this sound like just the most generic Tinder? Like, it sounds like an AI wrote a Tinder profile. Oh, okay. Um, so read it out. I will in one second, but I will say, like, I don't really have a problem with, in theory, what they are doing, but it's the real, like, light pink, fluffy, high, yeah. we're a YouTuber kind of vibe that I'm. That's what I'm really having issues just yeah, that's the thing. right now. 
we're not saying that you can't talk about these things. But if you go, even if you watch a show, like, like, and I'd say like, even the shows where I try and handle these things in a very, I don't know, like even-handed way in a very, like, I'm trying, there's a very specific word I'm thinking of here. And I can't, it's that was the M maybe, like, not modest, but just, Ah, oh, it's going to piss me I off. Think I don't know the word. Because you're blanking on the word, I'm blanking on the word. Yes, <laughs> I know what you mean. A, there is like um, just a, not a, a, a way to handle and discuss these subjects that doesn't come across exploitative. They are absolutely 100% exploitative, but mm. they always put on that facade of actually giving a shit about the victims. They always get like a really somber, that's like somber tone. Right, yeah, yeah. They always take a really somber tone. They get like, you know, a narrator who doesn't like, you know, smile and laugh as they're discussing and describing all the things. And they'll get experts on the experts will sit and the experts are very somber. And they and usually, very, usually very of fact. try to keep it um, a pretty unbiased tone as well. Yeah. Which uh, obviously is impossible when you're making something like that. But generally speaking, I think they, they at least try to make it that way. Yeah, they like, they... In, they are exploitative because they are taking advantage of just humans' natural curiosity about the macabre, about the dark. Mm-hmm. But at yeah, least they true. have the veneer that they give a shit. This completely removes that. And speaking of which, Lucas, just read, please read out the girls' like bio. I shit you like the, the descriptor of an AI wrote a Tinder profile is so accurate. It really is, to be fair. Um, and this is Jillian's bio of just. A born and raised New Yorker, Gillian is a karaoke enthusiast who says hello to dogs on the street, but always asks permission first. She is a proud Ravenclaw and loyal to House Star. It's like, could you get a more boring woman? I can't imagine a bigger personality and charisma void than someone who describes themselves like that. That's the best just is, like... four of the most like base level tell me nothing about you as a person kind of vibe. Yeah. It's, the best bit is as well, because I'm looking at their website, because of course we've got a website, and it's like when you look at the episodes, it's like their dumb fucking smiling faces above, here's our favourite episodes, and it's just like abducted in plain sight, and it's just like the story of a girl who got kidnapped and fucking raped, and it's like their face like, yeah! yeah <laughs> Hear that, us that's, talk that's about this! I, that's what I've got a weird... It just, I've least... obviously not listened to the podcast, I won't talk about what the tone is like. I listen to a little bit of it, and it's like, it just leaves such an awful taste in your mouth. Yeah, yeah. Just, hey, let's celebrate the weird deaths that people have had. It's like, great, cool. That sounds like fun. It's the thing. Because it's like, at least the documentaries that they're discussing, they, they try to pretend. They pretend that. No, we're not obsessed. We're not exploiting these people's deaths for money clicks and you know eyeballs on our screen and the adverts that you're going to watch while mm. waiting for the rest of the episode now we actually care about telling the story of the victims you strip all that away and this is what you'd get uh, it's so nakedly unabashedly cynical i kind of have to respect it and they are the most or one of the most successful people on the patreon platform making nigh on 200 grand a month at least and i will say that this is like this is such a well thought out way to make money because a because lot so of easy. people are very curious about those kind of shows, but some people are turned off by the darker vibes of them. Yeah, well, it's and a more like serious the, tone. 
the comparison that you're talking about like, of Wiki Weekend, like people might be interested in like characters like Spider-Man was like what 50, 60 years of history. That's yeah, why I wanted yeah. to talk about it because like it's it's taking that to the next level of let's just go fuck it and start talking about people who died. Because from my experience as a writer on that, I can tell you right now, there are a couple of topics that you are pretty much guaranteed to get clicks on. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I used to write for Listverse, for example, I was told straight up, if you want to get clicks, um, you write stuff about murders, like horrific murders, serial killers, and things from World War II. Because people have just a weird obsession with that stuff. And you can look at that when you go on Netflix or any of your streaming services. Just scroll through documentaries. You'll see about 14 documentaries about Hitler's inner circle or evil um, people from history or like serial killers. Ted Bundy alone has got like four or five on Netflix. I mean, I thought you were going to mention within that group as well, though. Cute all weird animal things. Cute all weird animal things also works, but um, by and large, any content that discusses the dark and the macabre does excellently online. Like I was told yeah. straight up, if you want to get views and you want to get a viral article, just talk about World War II. Wow. Specifically talk about the Holocaust because people love reading about it. Oh, God. And I have written um, a not insignificant amount about World War II, the Holocaust, and serial killers because, you know, when I'm a journeyman writer and I'm told this is what you write to get clicks, this is what's going to get you on the front page this is what's going to get you a bonus this month. I'm going to fucking write about it. Yeah, of course, yeah. And that's just what the... I mean is that, that they clearly are aware of that, hence why they made the podcast in the first place. But I think taking the lighter and jokier tone with it also then puts you in that stead of, well, we're going to get we're going to get both sides of the audience here, and that's why I say it sounds like it was just made to make money. Yeah, it's, it's such a strange thing because, it's like I said, it's so nakedly, unabashedly, just cynical. It's like, they're just admitting, yeah, we all know that you're obsessed with this stuff and we are as really excited to talk about it, but we're not, we're not even going to hide it because we know. That's fair. Yeah. And it's, I just wanted to mention it because if I didn't, it would piss me off because like, what I, <laughs> I've had it on my laptop just in the background, so I know to talk about it. And every time like, I open up my laptop to do some work or something, it's one of the tabs, and I'll click over to it, and my girlfriend just stop looking at that. It pisses me off. <laughs> because, like, you know, like myself, like you, my girlfriend is, like, you know, trying to make it online. Mm-hmm. You know, just doing some work. And it's just the idea that people, not even doing any original research, just gleefully discussing horrific murders and people being abducted, raped, killed, what have you, and being like, yeah, this is awesome and making hundred more money than either of us will ever see in our lifetime. And yeah. they're so happy about it. And it's like, you've got to respect it at the same time. <laughs> Carl, where's the Carl's Corner Patreon? Where's it, where's it coming <sighs> in of just the best friend tier? Oh, just something I don't like about it. We'll, we'll, for everybody watching, just, you know, go to our Patreon for this podcast that totally exists. We don't have one now. And um, hit the £1,000 tier per month of we will call you our best friend for life. It's one of the things, as well. just the writing as well, like all the uh, the descriptors they use. Of like, you're a non-garbage person. We love that you're supporting us. We really need your help. If and you, you scroll us, up, we are obsessed with you. And it's like, we oh. need you to make this a reality. It's like you're making... Like there are professional footballers who don't make this a week, and we all and like professional footballers are generally the punching bag in the British press for people who are overpaid. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
But I just, I just wanted to just mention that because, <laughs> like I said, it's been on my mind all week. I can tell that you've just been waiting. Because um, uh, uh, a mutual friend of ours has been like constantly tweeting about that Gabby Petito case. And my girlfriend oh, right, keeps okay. saying, like, why is he so obsessed with it? And, like, people are. People love crime. People love theorizing and talking about this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, from my time as a writer, I can tell you, like, all my most popular articles were about stuff like this. Yeah. And all that, and it's something we can fold it back into, like, you know, fact fiend stuff. One of the most suggested topics we get for, like, Wiki Weekends is, can you do a Wiki Weekend on? And they'll just send us, like, a link. I've legitimately sent links, like, horrible massacres. I'm like, this would be interesting to talk about. It's like, no, it wouldn't. This would be awful. It's depressing. Also, the tone we strike on the channel is not a tone that's suitable for discussing this subject. Yeah. Like, you must have had that with, like, uh, you don't deal with suggestions and requests as much as I do, but you must have seen people asking us, talk about insert, like, horrible thing from human history. Like oh, yeah, a, yeah. A battle then... or a part of a war or, like... The one we get a lot is like the molasses disaster. I think mm. it was where um, some mol- a big molasses tub exploded and killed a bunch of people. It's like, wouldn't that be interesting to talk about? It's like, well, no, a bunch of people got horribly burned and to death and drowned in uh, yeah in the Wiki Weekends hot. videos. I've, obviously, it's not every single time we get dozens and dozens, but over the you know couple of years we've been doing it, then I have noticed that. Most videos will have a couple of suggestions about something like World War or the Holocaust or something, you know, macabre, as you say, along those lines. My favorite thing about it is, well, they always say, I'd love to see your take on it. And it's like, what more do you really need to hear someone say to know this was an awful part of human history? Yeah. I just wanted to mention that because, you know, it's um, relevant to some of the stuff that we do. And you like picked up on it straight away with the Wiki Weekends thing. Mm-hmm. So I was glad you did that because I was expecting someone's like, well, you do Wiki Weekends. All you're doing is just recapping something that already <laughs> exists. It's like, but it's it's not about the idea of the recapping something that already exists. It's the idea that the tone they're striking when they're doing it. Yeah, I mean, I fully admit the absolute dream is to be able to make a shit ton of money off things that you don't have to research. Yeah. Like, like I, I fully respect that hustle. It's just I don't respect the hustle of doing it off people dying. That's what, if it was anything else, I want it wouldn't even be a blip on my radar. If it like if the top thing on if these did exactly what they do already, but it was like, you know, recapping Simpsons episodes. Yeah, then fucking go for it. Like talking about the office. Because that's another one as well. Like people just talk about the office. Well, even office actors have got in on that, haven't they? Yeah, that's what I mean. Like one of the biggest ones is um two girls from the office, I think it is. It's um, It's Pam and Angela. Uh, Angela, that's what I was about to say Amanda, but it was Angela, yeah. The um, the two actresses for that have like, you know, gone back and watched the episodes and talked about them but obviously they have a lot of cool insight because they were there filming it behind the scenes it's not just about what the episode content is yeah they were literally there and can offer a unique insight which is why something like that has value i don't understand why this has value which is why it was so fascinating to me and i wanted to talk about it but speaking of the office one oh god did you hear that noise no I got the update noise, but it's okay. It's just like a driver wants to update. So hopefully that doesn't cause the computer <laughs> to crash. Well, that office one, my girlfriend also hates that. Um, because who's the actress? Jen Fisher. Who yes, plays, Jen Fisher. Um, Pam. She says, I really don't like Jen Fisher because like, I respect the hustle. You know, she was on a really popular TV show and she's not getting much work anymore. So fuck it. She's going to cash in on the one thing she's known for. That I respect. But... A couple of things she said really rubbed me the wrong way. I was like, what do you mean? She said, well, she was talking in, in, like, during one of the episodes about how 
Oh yeah, um, me and John Krasinski. I felt like we really fell in love in real life when filming those scenes. It's like, and John Krasinski's response is, what the fuck? Why yeah. would you say that? We're actors. We were acting. Also, I fucking married and have been married for the entire time we were doing the show. I was going to say, if he's in a long-term relationship while she's making statements like that, that just makes him look like, oh, yeah, we were shit. secretly having an affair or falling in love with one another. It's like, no, why would you Why would you put me in the shit like that? No, it's like we were acting. You're just trying to lean into it because like, you're known as this character. And people have a lot, uh, one of the things she's talked about is that people will come up to her and like get annoyed that her husband is not John Krasinski. Like they'll meet her in real life and expect her to be married to John Krasinski because the idea of her in their head is just entirely informed by the office. I didn't know that. I thought it was quite interesting. I mean, yeah, like I've got no problem with it other than that. That is not a great sentiment to put out there. Just because the idea, (laughs) the idea John Krasinski's like, what the fuck? We're actors. Yeah, it's more the fact that she's then including somebody else in that. It's, it would be one thing if she turned around and went, oh, I, I felt as though I was almost falling in love with John during those scenes. It's like, that would be one thing. But the fact she threw him into the mix as well, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Under the bus. Hang oh. on, hang on. Oh, yeah, that was, that was a fun one for me and my missus this week we were talking about. Cause every time I open up my laptop, I just zoom in on that guy's face. It's his stupid, punchable fucking face. <laughs> And then what I'd do is I'd just bring up, like, um, a Wikipedia list of just, like, serial killers and just, like, put them to put the tabs side by side. <laughs> and she just stopped doing this. I'm like, no, I'll never stop. It's like, Carl, you've taken this too far. So just keep doing it. Go, this guy makes four times what I do per month. Carl. Um, in a, what do I make in a year? This guy makes twice over in a month. Um, How's that feel? You should date this guy. He's like, no, I don't want to. He sounds boring. But it sounds like you might be obsessed with them. Ah, ah, oh, no, that's I'm the thing. Joking. Like, I'm, I'm not, joking. Obviously, I've not spent that because that's something that will happen. Of like, Carl, it's like no, it's just it's fun to talk about because like um, just recapping something is not that like, interesting. Like I say, well, like weekly weekends, we always. I think the best parts of us when we go on our little tangents. Hmm. Like one that I recall is when I don't know if it made it into the episode or not. We were talking about Bullseye. When we talk, and we just mentioned, oh yeah, bullseye can throw any object with like lethal precision. And I just mentioned offhand, can you imagine if you were walking out the street and just shot a hot dog into the back of your throat and you lost your shit? Oh no, I definitely put that in the episode. <laughs> so you just talked about the idea of like bullseye throwing hot dogs down people's mouth when they talk. Yeah. And we lost our shit for like five minutes. And that was like, you know, an organic thing to spring out of a conversation inspired by, admittedly, you know, something that's been pre-researched for us. Well, I mean... I don't know how well-researched these all are because the amount of times where people in the comments to Wiki Weekends where, bear in mind, we just read the fan-researched wiki pages, people are like, no, no, that's wrong. It's like, My well, favourite is. Don't take it up with us, then. We're just reading what you guys put in the fucking wiki. Go fix the wiki. My favourite one is when people say, I can't believe you didn't mention insert thing. We absolutely mentioned, but it wasn't interesting. Yep. Something that was probably just cut normally. Like that's normally the cases. It was mentioned. It was a bit dry, so I cut it. Yeah, but you know, well, Lucas, we've got some spoilers to talk about today. So, what do you want to talk about first? Metroid Dread, all the Marvel stuff, or the Squidest game, the game of squids? Um, I I say that for me, I would go in terms of like levels of hype and say for the best for last. Okay. So, so for me, Dread. my order would personally be like. Marvel, then Squid Game, then Metroid. That's exactly my order too. So Marvel okay. stuff. So 
Spoilers for Marvel stuff start so, now. And Lucas, go. let me just get want... the uh, the time. Code get the time start. Point. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna have to post a bunch of stuff in our like Discord chat now because their faces piss me off. Yeah, I was literally just thinking, can I get just a bunch of pictures of possums for Carl so he can just not have to look at that anymore? It's just it's the zoom in that gets me. <laughs> it's the zoom in. But yeah, there we go. Uh, so any anything from here is just Marvel spoilers for both What If, Black Widow, and presumably the extended MCU as a whole. Uh, yeah, so straight away, What If, um, fucking well played to the casting director for getting almost every single one of the original actors back. That's the most impressive thing about that show. Yeah, pretty much. Like, the amount of... I think it was something along the lines of 90% of actors reprised their roles. Yeah, and the notable exceptions are Robert Downey Jr. did not reprise his role as Iron Man. I'm not sure if there's any like reason for that other than just Robert Downey Jr. is sick of being Iron Man now. Uh, yeah, maybe. Maybe he's just uh, he's made all that Iron Man money and left. And then Dave Bautista as Drax. And there is a little bit of drama about that because Dave Bautista was asked. And he said, I, I was willing to do it, but nobody called me. Oh, so, shit. Okay. So the thinking there is it may have, the casting for it and all the audio reads may have been done. Um, Joe, during the time he'd been fired and unfired from um, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 around the time when he like, went to bat for James Gunn. Oh, uh, was he part of that, like, being yeah. let go, James Gunn being let go, therefore he backed him and then they wanted rid of him as well? It's like Dave Bautista who's like a ride or die motherfucker. He's like, you know what, James Gunn's a nice guy. And he stuck yeah. up for him, and he kind of got flack for that. And then Disney and brought James Gunn back. So it made say, no difference. That's the thing, isn't it? Of He's now on the right side of history, sticking up for James Gunn there. Yeah, so the thinking there is, because some of the people they've got in, they clearly only got them in for like a day. Hmm. And they got them in for, and they didn't read the script or know what they were doing, because there's a couple of really bad line reads. I think we talked privately about Maybe they didn't have to get every actor back because some of them weren't very good. I will also say, by the way, uh, James Spader didn't come back as Ultron. Also. Ultron, yeah. So he's like, and he's another big actor where they, they potentially could have gotten him back, maybe, but maybe they just didn't. It's a want shame to. they didn't with, with him because I don't think the Ultron voice actor was bad by any means. I think they performed. He's just quite not well. James Spader. James Spader's got such a very specific voice. He's very charismatic as well. Yes, he is. Yeah. Uh, the whole reason he was cast as Ultron is because his voice was so good. Uh, but no, 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 no dissing the uh, voice actor for Ultron that did step in. I think they did an admirable job, to be fair. Um, one that always sounded a bit off to me was Sebastian Stan. Yeah, like he he doesn't seem to be very good. Like he's a good actor, but he doesn't seem to be a very good voice actor because there's a lot of minutiae involved in voice acting. Yeah, there is. Yeah, it's two different skill sets. And just, I don't think, like, some of his line reads fell a bit flat. Like, Hayley Atwell was amazing. Yeah. All yeah. her lines are great. And the person they were going to replace, um, Scarlett Johansson, as well, was really good. I thought it was Scarlett Johansson at first. Yeah. No, I thought just, she did well. And, um, like, you know, obviously just shout out to Chadwick Boseman. It was, I think it was his final performance were the performances that he provided for What If. And he did he really well. He was so, really charming. Yeah. He was in it so much more than I expected. Because when I heard yeah. the last thing Chadwick Boseman did was what if, I was like, is this going to be like when Stan Lee had one last cameo in him and it wasn't very good? And it was like just, the... oh, we have this thing already recorded, I guess we can throw it in. It's like, no, he's in it to the end and he's really, really good. And he's two characters, let's bear up, because yeah. he's 
regular Black Panther in Killmonger's episode, and he's also Star Lord. Um, yeah, T'Challa as well. I'm, I'm glad of that, like that he was in it a lot more. When you get to like the ending fight scene, I think my girlfriend pointed out like there's like one white guy in this entire cast. Oh right, yeah, I didn't think so about look, that. Yeah, if you think about the final cast, like there's only one white person. It's Party Thor. <laughs> Oh, Which God. I think it just highlights the level of diversity present in the MCU. It does. And I, I will say, uh, before we delve into specific examples, I think mm-hmm. if it weren't for that last two-parter as an episode, I think that series itself would have fell really flat. It would have done. Uh, I like the idea of what-ifs. I love the premise. I like the party Thor one. I thought that was a bit bad. Yeah. Like that one really didn't like really hold much water. I like the idea of a sillier episode, a sillier episode around a sillier premise. Mm-hmm. And I did like some of the cameos they got in that. Yes, yeah. Like, I think they did bring the actress for Freya back and stuff like that. And the idea that Thor's terrified of his mom. Yeah, no, there were moments like that where I laughed. And obviously, like Loki just being this um, frost giant doesn't give a shit. That that was cool. Like King of the Frost Giants and stuff like that. But, uh, and I didn't think the what if stuff needed to tie into an, a bigger arc but when i saw that episode i was like okay now the sounds get a bit long in the tooth yeah and i i reached that point with the party thor episode because it was the last one before the the double episode finale yeah um i just gotten a bit tired of it all and i love i say i love the concept but i think it had gotten to that point where if it was just one-off episodes of that quality of that standard I wouldn't be very excited for a season two, but after the the part two Ultron episode, like that was really good. Yeah, and the idea now that they can do fucking anything they want, and any character can come back. Yeah, they can. It, it doesn't, except for presumably um, Black Panther, Evil Doctor Strange as well. Oh man, Evil Doctor Strange, we well, can come back. I just mean like it's the actor Chadwick Boseman. Oh yeah, of course. I, I really don't think they meant to have him. They liked. To Charla Star Lord so much they were gonna make a separate season for him, like a separate series. Ah, that's a shame, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Because he's so charismatic. Mm-hmm. I actually think he fits better than um, like his like suave, cool Star Lord. That's the Star Lord that Chris Pratt Star Lord thinks he is. It is, um, but I also think that both are very good interpretations of Star Lord because. T'Challa's Star-Lord is so charming and so awesome at everything he does that he just seemingly just doesn't struggle with normal everyday problems. Yeah, that, that uh, I think stretching that out might have um, weakened it a little bit. Because like the, the joke of, oh, he just convinced Thanos to stop being Thanos mm-hmm. is really funny. Because, like, and it, if they'd made that into an entire thing, it'd be, I feel like the payoff could never deliver on just what you imagine. Yes, exactly. Just having it happen off screen is like, you know, in a short contained, a self-contained episode and story, I think works a lot better. And I think I really enjoyed that version of Thanos as well. Obviously, it's not as in-depth a take as normal Thanos is, but it was really fun. Just, you know, seeing seeing the actors have fun with the characters that they've helped define. Mm-hmm. Like the one that got me is like me and my girlfriend, we were sat down for the um, the Killmonger episode. Ah, yes. Where the thing we like doing at the start of each episode is like, okay, what actors came back mm. and what actors? Because when you see a name you don't recognize, go, they're playing someone. They're playing someone else. Yeah, exactly. We were sitting through that one. It's like, okay, so Michael B. Jordan came back. Chadwick Boseman. They got some lines from him. And they called Angela Bassett, and we're like, what? Yeah. No. <laughs> There's no way they got her back. It's like it's got to be a cameo. It's got to be like one line. 
And then she gets like, my queen. And she's leading the Dora Milaje. Yep. And she's like, ah, for Wakanda. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's like Bassett 60. Leading the army was awesome. Because she's like 60 years old. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you can't get the actress to do that. Because there's no way they'd be able to make the actress herself do a scene like that. But, but when it's animated. Animate it, yeah. And of course, she's the leader of the Dora Milaje. The idea that when you see that look in the king's eyes, he's like, that's right, I'm banging her. That's my wife. And that's the thing, isn't it? It's Angela Bassett. Do you want to come back and um, be an animated character in a Black Panther What If episode? Like, no, no, no. Oh, you'll be leading the Dora Milaje army? It's like, hell yeah. Yeah, yes. you'll be riding those rhinos and just screaming <laughs> for Wakanda. I feel as well, like, for the Black Panther stuff, like, they could have got anyone they wanted back. Because mm. I feel like so many of the people involved in those films, they've got nothing but nice things to say about Chadwick Boseman. Yes, yeah. I feel it's one of those things where they're going to, like, do it for him. Because, fuck it, like, you know what? If he was recording that shit, because you can hear it in some of his voice reads, where, mm. like, he's, like, they sound a lot weaker. Mm-hmm. Like, you can hear, like, you know, some of, like, you know, the, the strain in his voice. Like, if he was doing that shit on his literal deathbed, what excuse have you got? That's fair. That's fair. And I'm really glad that we got um, another another chance to see more Killmonger, because he's one yeah. of the most interesting Marvel villains out of all of the movies. Because he's the one that has, like, the most understandable goal of, like, yeah, black people had a really rough time of it. And Wakanda has sat here mm-hmm. and, and just watched. Look at all of the wealth and technology that you have while we have all struggled and you've hidden away. And uh, I was kind of sad to see him die at the evil. end of Black Panther. So the fact that I get to see more Killmonger is really cool. The one that I don't like, though, is that it shows that even in an alternate universe, he's still evil. Even when presented with the fate of the universe, but I don't he's still think it's evil. that he's evil. I think it's that that character inherently strives for power. Maybe yeah, and I don't obviously not maybe it, yeah, it's it, it is it's you know there's not much difference between those two things, but yeah, I think he's just drawn to power ultimately. And like you know, um, uh, Mike makes right and all that stuff, mm. but that does open up the door for him to come back. Yeah. Because um, uh, with Black Panther 2, like, the, the real-world death of Chadwick Boseman has left the question in the air of, like, well, who's going to be Black Panther? Mm-hmm. They're not going to recast him. You can't. Like, that role's his now. He played that role for, what, two movies? And it's his. Yeah. and Well, what, four? Because he was in Infinite War and Endgame as well. Of course, yes. Of course, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, like, in one of his own standalone movie. Yeah. And I think um, for a while, quite a lot of people, including myself, were like, well, sure, he would be a really cool take, and then now she's come out being like the, this, yeah, very weird anti-vaxxer, and apparently has been on set just telling people that vaccines like don't work and stuff. So, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe I don't want her to be Black Panther after all. So Letitia Wright is anti-vax, and he's not just anti-vax, but he's like loudly complaining and yelling at people on set about it, and he's mm. like, "Shut the fuck up, so please stop." And one of the other theories is that maybe they can bring back Michael B. Jordan. Bring in alternate universe Killmonger. Yeah, because now that we're getting multiverse stuff happening, we've established it. Yeah, the gates. I don't want an. I don't want another Tony Stark though. No, I don't want to bring like Robert Downey Jr. back, but for the sake of that film, so we don't have to have an anti-vaxer. Yeah. Just being the face of the next Black Panther movie, it's like no, no, no. Ultimately, like, you know, Okoye or like uh... or Angela Bassett. Angela Bassett, yes. <laughs> just can you imagine? That'd be awesome. Oh man, she'd be so strong. Oh, just Winston Duke. Oh yeah. 
Now he'd be really good, but the problem is like he's part of like the the ape tribe, not the panther tribe. Yes, yeah. So there's probably like the and you know what? He's not. I don't really like want to theorize about that, but no. especially as well. I mean, it's so steeped in like you know a guy died. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure whatever they're gonna do is going to be fine and pr- hopefully uh, not offensive to Chadwick Boseman's memory because they seem to be handling it so well so far. They do seem to be, yeah. And I would, um, I would really hope that yeah, they just not that they have to honor Chadwick Boseman in whoever's cast. Just don't drag his name through the dirt with it, kind of thing. Don't hand off the mantle of the Black Panther to a fucking moron, please. Yeah. Anyway, but that brings speaking of fucking morons who are like real, um, really bad at social media. Black Widow. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I was going to say though. Um, okay. The entirety of watching What If. Yes. Um, I was really looking forward to seeing the Gamora episode that kept getting teased in the poster. Yeah. The Gamora. I was confused. The, the Gamora episode. That Which got doesn't caught. happen. Because it got caught. When she appeared, she appears I'm like, did I miss that episode or I just not remember it? Because my girlfriend's like, wait, what episode is that? I went, I don't know. We scrolled through, it's not there. It was um, oh. an episode that was planned to be Gamora and Tony Stark taking down Thanos and then her becoming like that, you know, power Gamora that we saw in the final episode. With the, uh, the big glaive and stuff. Yep. I kind of like that. Because it suggests that whilst all these stories were happening, other more, other equally as interesting stories were happening elsewhere in the universe. It actually made the universe feel a lot bigger. It like, did, well, yeah. But then I was like, that gun was so badass. I want more of that. Yeah, and then when you watch the trailer and realize, oh, it was in the trailer, so it was it's something that existed at some point in some form but doesn't anymore. And I did hear a couple of um times when apparently a few of the pictures were so close to other things that were going on in planned MCU movies that they had to not do it. Apparently, yeah. they basically just did a what-if pitch of what Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is going to be. Oh, okay. So they accidentally pitched what the movies are going to be made. That's yeah, and they had another one where they pitched um, Jane Foster picking up Mjolnir and becoming Thor, which again is happening with Love and Thunder. We did that in the next movie. And it's like, man, they... they th- really thought about it well enough that they actually nailed some upcoming plot points. But at the same time, it says a lot that those writers were tasked with, come up with the most bullshit outlandish thing that could never happen. And they guess, but no, that's actually happening in our next movie. (laughs) But it's not come up with the most bullshit thing because it's come up with a weird twist of one change. Fair, yeah. One change that could change enough to like have a butterfly effect impact, like Jane Foster becoming Thor. I like, um, uh, or I think the the strongest pitch was the first episode, and that what immediately sold me on the idea what it was. Um, Peggy Carter becomes Captain America or Captain Britain. Captain Carter. Captain Carter. Yes. yes. And um, Steve Rogers becomes Iron Man, but he mm-hmm. becomes like pots and pans Iron Man. And that's awesome, but I didn't like how much of that episode was a recap of um, the first Avenger. I think I feel like they had to do that to like sell you on the format. Like one of the show, the episodes had to be a sacrificial lamb. It's like okay, that we was need the to one, establish, yeah. we need to establish the format and show that it's basically the same thing. But what about if one thing changed, like you said? And then once they've established that to the audience, then we can start to deviate a little bit more from the original story. That's a hundred percent what it must have been. And unfortunately, it was the Captain Carter episode that had to to take the hit. But yeah, I I really like Captain Carter, and I love that we got a chance to see her in the final couple of episodes 
outside of essentially the plot to First Avenger. Just she's now the main character instead of Captain America. And weird that we got such a tease of Shuma Garath in multiple episodes and never got it. Hell yeah. I love Shuma Garath. Joe Why? For anyone who's wondering, the big tentacles are, I guess, implied to be from a powerful, you know, demon-like being, which is presumably a character called Shuma Garath. Yes, uh, Shuma Garath is just a weird tentacle monster from, like, another dimension. The mm-hmm. Chaos dimension, I think it is. And the reason I like that character so much is for Marvel vs. Capcom 2, um, which, as the name suggests, is Marvel characters fighting Capcom characters. Mm-hmm. Um, Capcom went into Marvel's head office um, when they were picking the roster for the game. And, they, you know, they got the, 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 the like, Wolverine straight away, Magneto. We've got Spider-Man. to have, like, you know, Swat... Yeah, Spider-Man. Yeah. got to have Swat, Cyclops. Yeah. We've got to have, like, you know, all the standouts in there. But what other characters do you have that you own that we can do something with? And the story goes that in Marvel's offices, they have the Bible, which is just, here's every character we've ever done who's, like, you know, somewhat important. Oh, that's and cool. just a pit. And just a picture of them and a brief description of them. And the story goes that Capcom's designers were going through that Bible, saw Shuma Garath, this weird tentacle man, and went, the fuck is this? Put him in the game. <laughs> just some weird tentacle starfish with a giant eye in the middle. Like, yes, let's let's make that a character. Yeah, they saw that and went, that's amazing, put it in. And I don't and know much turned... about the character other than it's green tentacle powerful monster from, as you say, like the Chaos Realm or something like along those lines. And then I just saw the tentacles coming out in that first episode. I was like, oh, shoot, Shuma Garath. And then they tease it in um, the Doctor Strange episode as well. Yeah, the then, Chaos Dimension. It's like, oh, man, uh, is Shuma Garath going to be a big part of like, some hypothetical um, endpoint to the series or something similar to the way Ultron was? And it's like, no. He's just too fucking weird. It is That's too the weird. Thing. He's too weird an idea to put in. I think you need got, someone that looks like a human. We've got another, you know, couple of phases worth of getting weird with the MCU before they can pull that off. Before they can pull off Schumer fucking Garath with his, like, <laughs> B-boy stance. I do love him in Ultimate Marvel, though, because when he does his finisher, he does, like, he crosses his arms and faces towards... He crosses, like, what amounts to his arms mm-hmm. and looks towards the camera. It's like, yeah, B-boy stance. It's <laughs> B-boy man- Schumer Garath. They managed to get that weird technical monster to do a B-boy stance. I love it. It's great. He's, post- he's just posting up like a boss. Oh, but yeah. Just do- um, so, you know, in terms of like the Marvel TV shows, where would you like rank the what if in your eyes? I think I, I really like it because it's the bridge between um, the weird bullshit that exists now in the multiverse. It's like that alongside stuff like um, uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. No Way Home. Oh, No Way Home. Sorry, I, I yeah. always get them confused. It's not keep, the keep best naming convention. No, putting home in the title makes them difficult to do. But um, where you have the line from Mysterio, which obviously it turns out it's a, it's a fake out, mm-hmm. but that plants the seeds of the multiverse. Yeah. And then this, and then the Loki stuff, that also, you know, the multiverse exists. This then now establishes, okay, the multiverse does exist, and it's largely the same, save for a few differences. Also, some of the characters that you'd like might also be there. Yeah. Well, they might not be the characters that you rec- they might not be the, in the form that you recognize which is going to obviously set up stuff's going to happen in Spider-Man because they're like you know bringing back old characters from like other fucking timelines essentially and, and it then, allows them to like you know put a nice neat little bow on their universe so that for the next phase mm-hmm. when they introduce all this crazy bullshit out of nowhere it's not out of nowhere it's been hinted at and it's been like you know very explicitly established and it's done in a 
much long, more long-term and I think better way, more successful way, because um, they've just had you know more time and taking patience with it. But it's also, they got all the original actors back. Yeah, and it's similar to the way that um, Game of Thrones kind of did it, where it started out as okay, well, we'll mention the White Walkers, and a lot of it is just simple to understand politics and stuff to get people in. And then we'll slowly phase in weird shit like the dragons and bring back well, the White yeah. Walkers properly. And... That's the MCU in a nutshell. Yeah. It's like it gets you in, like, you no, know, Iron Man 1 is relatively grounded. Yep. Like, you know, the guy does create, you know, a fucking war crime suit, but a lot of the technology it comes to it with practical effects. Yeah. Uh, and that decision was very deliberate so that, you know, it's something tangible, something real the audience can see. And, and then as the films progress, where... things keep getting. Oh, go on, yeah. I was going to say, and as the series progresses and adds more movies, they can introduce more and more fantastical elements because every time they just shift the scale just a little bit mm-hmm. to the point where you're in Endgame and you see Iron Man suit up like a nanotech suit fighting five aliens. Like, yeah, that makes sense. Yep, and I think just... Um, it's the, the typical thing, isn't it, of slowly bringing the water to the boil, and I know that is like an inaccurate... Um, thing in real life it's like no no the the lobster would notice that it's getting boiled alive it's uh, i believe it's a frog and the frog was a lobster. Oh, so but the, it is a the very frog, u- yeah yeah in the boiling water it's a useful um, metaphor though but it is like if we slowly introduce all this weird shit you're not noticing that we've gone from a guy in iron suit to just multi-dimensional weird timeline bullshit with like loki and stuff yeah, you've got B-boy stancing aliens coming in to style <laughs> on you in all forms of reality at once. Because you know there's no better harder styling on someone than multiversal styling. Do you like when like, the watch is in that room where it's like, oh, I can see into all realities at once? Mm-hmm. Like, how much do you think he like just gets tempted to just T-pose there? <laughs> Assert dominance over all of reality. I, I appreciate as well the watcher gets like a little chance to fight. Mm, yeah. Like where he does the thing of like you can't even to comprehend the force of my will or something like that. And he just, just puts on his little watcher punches. Then Ultron just runs away. But um... I didn't. I didn't like though that they show that the Infinity Stones work in other dimensions when the Loki TV show directly contradicts that. Uh, no, it didn't. It is it not? It's that I made the same mistake, um, and then I was like thinking about it and looking up stuff, and it's like no, what they say is that all of the Infinity Stones act as paperweights within the TVA because TVA magic doesn't exist or work. Oh, okay. So it's, it's outside of the time stream, as they put it's it. It's outside it? of the rules of any other universe where no Infinity Stones are useless, your magic is useless. It's specifically the TVA and not the fact that Infinity Stones are brought from like other dimensions or timelines or whatever. Okay, fair enough. Because I just I found that a bit weird that he was going into other dimensions and his infinity stones were working. So I thought they were formed from your universe. That's what I Not thought at first. And then, yeah, I looked it up a bit and it it is just specifically the TVA. They don't work properly. Okay, fair enough. So I was like, okay, okay. So I did make that mistake. But yeah, um, I did wonder as well why they didn't just get sent by the Watcher to go get more infinity stones. That was baffling, yeah. Because if they, if you've established that they work in another universe, just go go to another universe. Where and the seemingly, are there. the Watcher can just look into all of infinite universes and tell them, "Go here, and you'll find some Infinity Stones." Yeah, I didn't get why his plan was fight him 
with your bare hands, not... Why don't you all go get an Infinity Gauntlet each? All go get two Infinity Gauntlets each. And I guess it's because the the plan is exactly how he saw it to come along of Doctor Strange was powerful enough to trap them both without the Infinity Stones and he brought Killmonger along so that that struggle would happen and yeah. I would have liked to see that just everybody just like decked head to toe like a fucking emperor. Just all with Infinity Stones just dripping with... I wanted to see every time Ultron conquered a dimension he got more Infinity Stones. (laughs) Just kept getting more and more and more. Uh, but yeah, do you like Homer Simpson when he's giant and made of gold and just encrusted oh with like a million different, like that? I wanted to see Ultron look like that, just bare jewels all over him, and they're all That's Infinity the Stones. Unfucking stoppable. So we never actually answered the question. Like we kind of got off on a tangent. But where would you put this in the ranking of like the TV shows or just MCU in general? Uh, um, I say I don't. I don't like ranking the MCU because it's its own distinct entity right now. I consider them all to just be the same thing. See, that's Not why I said way. the TV shows because there's only a few TV shows, isn't there? There's only a few official ones, but I still think like Daredevil's better. I feel, I think like Daredevil told a better story. But in terms of a TV shows, like, you know, I, again, they're all kind of similar mm. because they're very clearly all being made with the intention of expanding the universe. They're all just tackling it from a different angle. Yeah. Um, so I don't rank any of them as being above the others because, like you know, the high points of What If don't necessarily like you know beat the high points of the Loki show or the Winter Soldier show. See, I would, I was gonna say that. I mean, I or the One Division show. I think One Division and Loki are a clear step above, like What If and Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah, I didn't necessarily find myself getting hyped for What If, but the potential they introduce for the series as a whole elevates them. Um, uh, to the same level for me, at least. Fair, yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, like, I guess let's just quickly talk about Black Widow as well. Uh, it's a completely pointless story. Yeah. The reason, the reason I wanted to mention it is because um, I it came on Disney+, Plus. I watched it with my girlfriend, and I just turned to my girlfriend and I said to her, uh, because we both had the thing of, like, that, that film was two hours long, I don't feel like anything happened, and it's because nothing does happen. The story is completely pointless. It's a story that happened in between two movies that were released like seven years ago and whose main um, like problem was already solved. Yep. But I summed it up to my girlfriend. I just asked, like, do you think it was a good film? She went, it was okay. I went, okay, so I want you now to tell me one Black Widow quote and you can use the movie we just watched in which she has the title starring role. And my girlfriend sat there for about 10 seconds and went, I, I don't know. So I'm going to ask you that same question, Lucas. Can you tell me a single quote from Black Widow? Um, I like your jacket. <laughs> so this is the thing. This is the thing. Because I thought that was such a good way of, like, of summing up. Like, the film is perfectly passable, but it doesn't. it's not blow your socks off awesome. And the story is not great. And the character is not that great either. Because Black Widow never really had any moments in any of the previous films. Mm, yeah. Like... If you look at almost every MC, every character in the MCU, they all get like that one moment. Even characters like um, Mantis, who's largely inconsequential to the plots of the movies that she's in, she still gets those moments. Like, like for Joe example, Hi Drax. To sleep. Yeah, or just like, Hi Drax, they all have like a line. And Drax is another character, like, he barely speaks in any movie he's in, but he always gets like, you know, a cut to him saying a quippy one liner to yeah. remind you that he's there. Black Widow seldom gets those moments, even though she is in so many of the movies. 
she is, and I think you get a couple when you're introducing her in like Iron Man two, but. Yeah, obviously because of just bloat of the roster, she has got pushed to the side quite a lot. Other than her moment in Endgame being she dies. Yeah. The most consequential thing she did in that series is kill herself. And that sums up the level of agency the character has. And it's not... It's, it's a shame. Mm. Because, you know, like she is in... When looking back, I was like, wow, Black Widow's in a lot of these movies. But like when she's first introduced in Iron Man 2, she's like an exposition machine. Yeah, yeah. Like she serves to just give exposition a role you think would be better suited for Coulson. And like Coulson, who's in less movies and serves essentially the same role, I think has better characterization. He has more memorable moments than Black Widow. It's really baffling to think about like, after me and my girlfriend watch me sadly going, Yeah, I can't think of anything she's ever said that sticks out in my mind, except for the really awful, horrible speech, which like, I can't give birth. I'm a monster. It's like, yeah. what who wrote this? Um, I was trying to think, like... Oh, yeah, I, I think her introduction in um, the Avengers movie is very good with the reverse torture interrogation scene. It is, but... I, w- when I watched that scene back, so I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this. And then the way she's framed in a lot of that, it's like, oh... Oh, no, yeah, yeah. That's... Oh, then, no. Obviously, I think she's... Um, probably a highlight is the Winter Soldier, right? Oh, yeah, when she's with Steve. Just yeah. seeing her interact with Steve. But then again, she doesn't have any memorable lines. Um, like it's a I, series defined I think the memorable part to me is when they're just trying to get the information and she's like, quick, Steve, kiss me. And he's like, wait, what, what, what? And she's like, fucking kiss me, Steve. It's like, it'll distract them. They don't want to look at us kissing. But yeah, considering I can pick a handful of okay moments for a character that has been one of the most... Um, like prolific in all of the MCU. Yeah, and that's just something that I found like um, frustrating. You know, like Black Widow probably deserved a better send off than that. And obviously, you can blame a lot of it on COVID. Of like, yeah, if the movie would come out when it was planned to come out, it would have had a lot bit more, a lot more impactful. But like, you know, it's been two, three years since the character died, and no one really gives a shit anymore. And, and the entire movie was a setup for her sister. Yeah, so it's essentially you're sidelining her in her own movie to set up another character. Mm-hmm. And it felt to me as though, like, Jenna and I watched it on Disney+, Plus and when it first came out, and we were excited to watch it and stuff, and we, we paid to watch it, and um, just turned around at the end of it and was like, why was this a Black Widow movie? Yeah, it feels to me, like, she feels like a bit player in her own movie. Yeah. One of the things I wanted to mention about the movie is that it allowed me to interact with something that I knew existed, but I'd never experienced. And that is people who make the MCU their entire personality. Because we've talked before about people who make DC movies their entire personality. Yeah. And they get really salty when you like have anything negative to say about DC movies. They're like, you know, just constantly on their knees praising that Zack Snyder dong. And I think it's a lot easier to see that because there's a lot more to critique within DC. Whereas there's not often that we go off on tangents about how the MCU is crappy. No, it's like even the bad movies are still okay. They're yeah. passable. Mm-hmm. Like even like the worst movie that I think like Thor 2 is widely the worst movie is still a 6 out of 10. And you can forgive it for existing when there's like, you know, another 15 movies. And even Black Widow was just fine and a bit forgettable and I didn't like Taskmaster, but it was fine as a movie. Yeah. And my criticism of it is I think very muted. There's mm-hmm. not really any like venom or bite behind it. It's just it doesn't feel like a very good send-off for the character and the character themselves isn't all that memorable despite being in so many of the movies mm-hmm. 
And I put that out on Twitter and I got really salty people who have literally just the MCU is their entire life where everything they ever tweet is about the MCU. Right, yeah. Their entire profile is just MCU stuff and all they do is like tweet out pictures of like characters from the movies. And when I put out just, oh, um, that story I just told you there, I turned to my girlfriend and asked her, can you tell me a single quote from Black Widow? Yeah. I'm not sure if you saw this. Um, uh, no, I did because I, I tweeted back about the jacket being the only thing I could remember. Yeah, a guy responded with, I think every single line Black Widow has ever said in any movie in response is like a gotcha. I saw the beginning of of that happening and wondered how many tweets they sent back in response. The guy ended up sending about 20 to 30 tweets in a row, just detailing every line Black Widow has ever said as like a response to me saying she doesn't have any lines. And some of the quotes were just things she says that are exposition. Yeah and therefore not memorable, but serve only to advance the plot of the movie, not her own character. God, because I, I think I saw four or five of those tweets and went, oh, no, I'm, I'm clicking off this now. Yeah, because the guy went for about an hour straight. Oh, no. And then it got really weird as well, because the reason it reminded me so much of the DC stuff is, because after I was like, well, no one fucking asks you. It's like, you know, it's a criticism. You can, you're free to disagree with it, but you don't have to be this weird about it. Mm. They then started insulting my girlfriend. Oh, my God. Because, like, oh, it's not my fault your girlfriend didn't watch the movie. It's like, she sat next to me the entire time watching it. It just wasn't a very memorable film. That's okay. It doesn't affect you personally. We're just, you know, giving my thoughts about it. And I'm not even giving any real harsh critiques, and they couldn't accept it. Yeah. Because the MCU can do no wrong. Oh, and I've not yeah. experienced that. With DC, like you said, there's a lot more to critique, so people, they've they've got a lot more frustration to let out. Yeah, of course. Because the thing they base their entire personality on is constantly being um, uh, dismissed, diminished, or critiqued. But with the MCU, it's like most feedback on it is largely positive, or just it's fine. Like it's now just part of the pop culture landscape. Yeah, the worst the MCU films normally get are it was good. It was Formulate it was it. like a bit a bit like a normal Marvel movie that kind of thing. Yeah, there was there's not normally anything too bad to say about them. Which is why it was so interesting to see that uh, the vi- the vitriolic and like super hyped up over reaction to a very minor criticism was just the guy like quoting everything Black Widow's ever said and then like harassing my girlfriend and insulting her ability to watch film. Like, maybe if your girlfriend was, I think what quote was, like, maybe if your girlfriend wasn't on a phone, she'd actually watch the movie and know that Black Widow has a lot of quotes. Oh, it's like, the off. fuck are you on about? Fuck off. It's like, the movie just wasn't that good. It's okay that you liked it. Yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I wanted to mention, because not, I've not experienced that, because I think on the podcast where we mentioned a few times that I've had the weird, salty DC fanboys mm-hmm. get really upset. I've never had MCU ones because I thought, well, why would these exist? Because the way um, like MCU movies are just they're part of pop culture now. I didn't think people would be able to make them their personality because they're generally when people do something like that, like with DC movies, it's like they do it to be contrarian. I mean, I've met people that have made Pokemon their entire personality, and that's the most mainstream thing ever. Yeah, it's very strange. Like you know, I was going to say, just is there any experience like that? you've had with that of people making something very very mainstream very popular and like you know, something like most people are already aware exists yeah but then like going that extra step a lot which is it's weird isn't it though 
It's like, no, Pokemon's my thing. It's like, no, Pokemon is like a billion people's thing. Yeah. A lot of people like Pokemon. You can't have that as your thing. And that's why I was finding it very strange as well, because the amount of people who seemingly took that personally, it's like, but these are like the most farmed out blockbuster popcorn flicks to exist. Mm-hmm. It's like getting pissed off at an episode of The Simpsons or something like that. It's like it's just been part of pop culture for so long. It's difficult to even muster the energy to give a shit because it's like it's existed for so long now. It's just part of culture. To be fair, Carl, I have also met people that have made Simpsons their entire personality. So, mm-hmm. I I am one of those people to a degree. I mean, definitely not your entire personality. Not my entire personality, no, but I do This podcast is not made 96 or whatever many episodes it is of you just talking about Simpsons nonstop. That's fair. Also, um, the one thing about Blackbird I'd like to address and to end on is the Taskmaster twist. I got a lot of messages about that because I believe in the Taskmaster wiki weekend we did. I talked about I love the character of Taskmaster. They're such an interesting villain. The, mm. the concept is very interesting. It's very strong. I want, I'm interested to see how it's realized in live action. I got a lot of messages of, did you you see how they butchered Taskmaster? And it's like, oh, Taskmaster's a woman. That's not the problem I have with Taskmaster in that movie. Yeah, but a lot of people's problem with it is that they're a woman. And my response to that is, Taskmaster's gender is completely incidental. It doesn't matter whether they're a man or a woman. The thing that matters about them is, is that they are feared and respected in the underworld as the greatest assassin ever and i don't feel that the movie handled that aspect correctly i don't give a fuck that i also don't think they handled the like the ability of taskmaster to be able to copy anybody doing anything also came across no and they realized it via technological means where it's oh they're wearing goggles that constantly feed information to them which was very poorly handled like why can't they just have superpowers like everybody else. And also, why do they have to be a void of personality? Yeah, because that's the thing about they Taskmaster that I like. like do you know why Taskmaster, like why he dresses like that? Uh, I guess to, in the comics. to be some like, intimidating dickhead or to show that no. he's copied people's abilities or something. It's not to intimidate, no, it's branding. Oh, okay. He, he's just really good at branding in the comics where like, he hands out business cards. <laughs> Like because he's like you know a mercenary for hire, yeah. So he's like, he tries to be as visible and theatrical as possible and talk as much shit as he like as, as he can during all situations, so that his exploits get talked about. Ah, uh, okay. And he hands out business cards of like, yeah, I beat the Avengers in a fight. Fucking call me, I'll do it. what. What is like local thug number three going to do against guy who beats the Avengers on the reg? <laughs> Fucking call me. So, like, oh, your prices are exorbitant. Did you not see the guy in a Halloween costume on the news beating up Spider-Man? Yeah. Do you want to hire that guy? Here's my card. That's fair. That's fair. So that was the only problem I had with Taskmaster. Of like, it doesn't really feel fleshed. Also, the twist of it being a villain was so obvious and signposted. Yep, yeah, his daughter is definitely dead. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely dead, Lucas. Did you know that his daughter's dead? I saw her die. She's definitely... She's never coming back. It was that moment of... They, they'd they obviously played it up so much. It's like, when it's revealed to be a daughter, it's like, yeah. We knew this like an hour ago. Yep, cool. Um, can we also, move on with this? I, I did not give a shit whether there was a man or a woman behind that mask. I was, I was already annoyed because Taskmaster had no personality. I just want to see them kick the shit out of everyone. And talk shit while they're doing it. It's great. 
Because that's the kind of confidence that you have when you're able to fight on par with every Avenger at once. <laughs> and then the other aspects that I didn't like is, uh, I think something, maybe it was Charlie, our friend Charlie mentioned as, please never tell us what happened in Budapest. Oh, yeah. Never tell yeah. us. Never tell us what happened there because it's all, it's going to be, the more they build it up, the less satisfying it's going to be and the entire movie revolves around what they did in Budapest. And, and what is it, it they did in Budapest? never live up to what you've built up in your head of like, holy yeah. shit, what happened in Budapest that this is some sacred bond between these two characters that they never want to bring up again? Yeah, Lucas, what it is is they put a bomb in a kid's backpack and then hid in a... Um, uh, uh, what is it now? Uh, the air ducts for five days. Yeah. That's it. Also, it ma- it just retroactively ruins the character of Black Widow. It's like she says, I've got a lot of red in my ledger. But when her backstory is, I killed a fucking child. Yeah. And then they ask her about it. It's like, you killed the kids that I had to kill the child. It's like, you're the world's greatest assassin. Are you telling me the world's greatest assassin couldn't kill someone without collateral damage? Is the point she knew of a- where he was. Yeah. Isn't the point of being an assassin who's paid as well as like she presumably was? Like the point of the Black Widow is that he can get anybody. Yeah. Like if you're just going to put a bomb in someone's backpack, why the fuck do you need to like pay a billion dollars to like order the hit when you could just shoot a rocket launcher at the front of the house? <laughs> if you're going to do it that publicly and that noisily, why the fuck do you need a Black Widow? Yeah, yeah. And then when she starts, oh yeah, Fury ordered the hit. So. so also, now Nick Fury is a piece of shit because he also signed off on murdering a child. Well, I don't know. If, does she specifically say that Fury signed off on how they did it? But it's the mission that got her into America, isn't it? It's the mission that made her part of S.H.I.E.L.D. So presumably someone had to know about it, which means that everybody involved with that mission signed off on her putting a bomb in a kid's backpack. See, it was just to such me, an it more point. like just Nick Fury told me to kill him at any cost and I did it at any cost kind of vibe. Yeah. It just makes it so on hype because I was expecting, okay, this is going to be the best action scene in the film. Mm. It's going to be her, like, oh, it's Joe the John Wick thing. Because that's the thing, it's basically that John Wick scene where they talk about the impossible mission that he did in one night. I like, can you imagine if in a John, John Wick, Wick movie. So I'm not. I've seen clips no, we... of John Wick, but I've never like sat down and watched one. Well, in John Wick, they talk about the reason John Wick was able to retire is because he went to his boss and they gave him an impossible task kill every single one of my rivals in one night. Uh, and then he goes out and fucking does it. <laughs> and throughout all the movies, they constantly talk about this one thing John Wick did that made him a legend in the underworld. The reason no one fucks with him is because he did something everybody thought was impossible. Right, okay. And it's essentially you know, the, the mission in Budapest. And they've had the foresight not to flash back to that because it's never going to be as satisfying in, um, a payoff as you're expecting. Mm-hmm. They're never going to be able to build up or live up to what you built up in your head. And then for Black Widow, it's like she sat in a car and just watched a child explode. That's how you do it, Cap. That's how you do it. World's greatest assassin right there, Lucas. <laughs> Thing as well, she had, what, help from Hawkeye. And remember in Avengers where Hawkeye does the USB shot? Oh, where, yeah. When they're traveling at a thousand miles an hour in the air and he shoots a USB into a computer in midair, like upside down. Are you telling me that Hawkeye couldn't have got a shot through the crack in one of those windows and got that guy? Yeah. Are you telling me that Hawkeye had to, like, signed off on putting a grenade in a child's backpack? God damn it. It's just, it was so um, convoluted, and the only reason that exists is so that you can know, oh, you've got a connection to the villain, it's the person you thought you killed. 
Well, it could have been it could have been his daughter without her having like she could have just shot the guy and said he's definitely dead. Mm-hmm. I shot him in the face. It's like no, he comes back. God, I mean, I was just gonna say, Carl, should we move on from Black Widow? Because yeah, let's move on. I'm Fuck just it. like let's talk about something. Ugh, what what a disappointment! It yeah. wasn't what bad, a flaccid ending. Just what a disappointing film for like that character to go out on. Yeah, like, it's one of those things where and it's what the waste of talent. Mm-hmm. The wasted fucking talent, like David Harper. The like, oh, they've got another super soldier, and his like story is completely inconsequential. Yeah, I want to see that guy again. Fucking probably up. set up for potentially something later down the line. Well, like the unhype, the moment where I just like, no, my chub completely subsided is where Taskmaster comes in with Captain America's shield, doing Captain America shit, and I was like, oh, is this where he's like, you know, David Harper? The, what's he called that? I even forget his fucking name. Is it Red Avenger? Maybe. I don't even know what his fucking name is, but he's like, <gasps> he gets to show that he did beat Captain America. So he gets to fight someone with Captain America's fighting style. This is where he has the thing that he's been dreaming of all this time, a chance to prove himself against, to prove himself to be as good as Captain America. And I was like a fucking kick-ass or fight scene. throw the shield away. Yeah, just kicking through a door and he doesn't do anything for the rest of the film. It's like, fuck! Because they build that up throughout the entire movie with him. Yeah. Yeah. Where he talks about, I beat up Captain America. It's like, even as an audience, you know he didn't because the timelines don't match up. But then you could no, have I'm had that better. moment where Taskmaster, who can fight like Captain America, got the shield. And is like, let's like do Cap- this. Yeah, you said, you, and he just says, like, I beat, I, I'm going to prove that I'm better than Captain America. Mm-hmm. And has the fight with him. But they couldn't do that because if he's better than Captain America, then. Yeah. Oh, anyway, so Lucas, Squid Game. Squid Why are you making out of the times? Uh, yeah, I'm just jotting down the time now. But, uh, yeah, it's a good game indeed. What a fucking TV show. <laughs> I binged it start to finish with my girlfriend. I, we watched the first episode. It was like 10 o'clock at night. Got to like the fourth episode. It was like 1 o'clock in the morning. And I looked at her and went, I don't want to go to bed. <laughs> I, I don't. I, I, I need to know what happens next. Mm-hmm. And then it was like four, uh, 4 in the morning. We watched it all. Man, bloody hell. I think, start I think to finish. we watched it in the space of maybe like a week. Something like that. But I think it got to what? episode... Um, I think it got to about episode four, and that's when we got into it and watched like episode four, five, six one night, and then seven and eight the next. Yeah, What a goddamn TV show. And I believe there's something you wanted to talk about in regards to Squid Game that you mentioned yesterday but couldn't mention because it had minor spoilers in it. But now we're in spoiler territory. What was it? Um, yeah, so I can't remember the exact details of it. But mm-hmm. um, so in episode two, I thought episode two was really weak in terms okay. of the, again, we're talking full spoilers here, but yeah. So episode one is the first game. Then episode two is everyone backs out and it's going back to see what they're doing. But consequentially, the only thing that happens is they all end up back there anyway. And I thought it was a bit of a waste. And that's a pretty not pretty common, but it's a fairly common opinion online. Mm. I disagree with that because I think it's very important to establish that the people's lives are so shit in the outside world that they would willingly go back to the games, even knowing that they might die doing so. And if they just kept them in the games against their will, that is kind of lost. If you don't have them acknowledging that their situation is so hopeless that they would willingly risk their own lives for a chance to escape it, yeah, totally, and I think my um, compromise would have just been condense the first two episodes into one because I think 
that message is important, but I don't think it needed an entire episode. I did like it though, um, and all the acting's so good. Yeah, the acting is. That great. I, I yeah. don't mind. I don't mind it, but um, yeah, that criticism of it's not necessary. It's absolutely necessary. It could have been handled in a different way, but mm-hmm. yeah. um, I think the show would have been worse off without having that moment of seeing that people are actively making the choice to return to the game. However, there is something interesting yes. in episode two. Okay. And that is that essentially a lot of the main characters' outcomes are foreshadowed within episode two. And I love shit like this. And you mentioned this to me briefly. I was like, oh my God, yes, it is. I, I didn't pick up on that because I was like, I binged it all in one mm-hmm. go and didn't have a chance like fully break down like my feelings on each episode as it happened but that 100% happens and it's incredible yeah um so i'm just gonna go to like a website here to just to to re-clarify but uh for example um in the you know episode two where um, uh i'm gonna mess up everybody's name but the main the main character um sangwoo is it no sangwoo's I'm trying to remember like Korean names now as well, and I'm like, yeah, Sangwoo's is like dickhead businessman, mate. He is, yeah. Um, but anyway, the main character he is trapped, and um, he's with Saviok, and he says to her, "If you let me go, I won't talk about the money ever again. I promise on my mother's life." Yep. And then immediately, the moment she lets him go, he starts bitching at her about the money. Yeah, and then his obsession with the money is what ultimately leads to his mother's death mm-hmm. because he's not there to help her. Also, the thing that I remembered when you told me that is, oh, also his feet are bound. His feet stay bound and his mother dies because she's not looking after her feet. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, when he complains about his feet hurting, it's like out. When you know, he's like hopping along the ground, she's on like the concrete in bare feet. Mm-hmm. And then and that's um, how his mother dies, isn't it? Yeah. And then um, I... One that I remember off the top of my head before I like quickly check this um, article for a recap is mm-hmm. the um, the gang member, that's the oh, main yeah. character, like the dickhead guy with the tattoo on the side of his face, which looks like a penis. <laughs> I, every time it comes up, it's like it looks like he's got a penis drawn on his face. Um, so in the second episode, he gets like um, betrayed essentially, and it, to escape death, he jumps off a bridge. And then, and then he dies on by falling off a bridge. By falling off a bridge, and like somebody else grabbing him and taking him off with him. So it's like, yeah, he got betrayed by somebody and got killed on the bridge. Um, there we go. I hear Ali. It says uh, Ali in the second episode. He steals money from his boss, who ends up then like getting his hand stuck in a machine and potentially dying. Mm-hmm. Ali died because Sangwoo stole his marbles. Yeah, and leaves him to die. And it's just going back and seeing that everybody, it's like, I think I believe it's for every single person. Um, It just foreshadows their outcome. Yeah, there you go. Sabiok as well. Um, It's like she is the one who takes a knife to somebody's neck yep. when she's, she's talking killed. about getting a mother <clears throat> over from North Korea. It's like, oh my God. It just shows the level of effort that was put in, doesn't it? Because I believe it's a rarity for a TV show based on an, an, an adapted TV show where the original writer, he wrote and directed every single episode. Because normally, mm, yeah. even with shows where someone has a lot of creative control, there'll be another writer or director who comes in to like, listen, nope. So it is the most 
um, uh, like clear example of this is one guy's vision being realized mm -hmm. just with practically unlimited funds. And that thing is, is one of those stories that came out after it got so popular is he was looking for Squid Game to be funded for about 10 years. And Netflix came in and was like, yeah, this looks good. And it, Do it, it. must have been, A, because it's a risky... Um, it's a risky kind of show, um, not something that's proven to be very popular in the past. Obviously, not necessarily the case now, but um, also I presume he wanted that much creative control. Oh, yeah. Like, this is his vision. You can mm -hmm. clearly tell there is one singular vision throughout that show. Yep. And the direction is just so on point. And like I said, the, de the level of detail and minutia in each scene. Like, just in just some of the acting, like some of my favorite scenes in it, were just the people in the masks. I love when like the cop guy is dressed like one of the dudes, and you just see like the the really subtle movements people's like looking at him when he's like kind of out of place. Yeah, and they look, but they don't want to say anything because they're told not to talk. Mm -hmm. And they like look over the shoulder, but they don't. And then they look back. It's like I'm doing my fucking job. As long as I do my job, I'm all right. And it's that tension of um, his neighboring cell partner is um, in on that weird side plot with him on the side gear of harvesting organs. Yeah, that was a plot throughout a plot thread that I made me super uncomfortable. Yeah. So they have the main character. Like, oh, sign. Here you go. Sign here. So that says that if you don't pay us back, we're going to come take your liver and your eyes. Oh, God, yeah. And then with the gangster guy as well, it's like, oh, you're dead. You don't need to worry about that anymore. They're going to take your eyes. And it's like specifically the fact they're taking their eyes. Mm -hmm. He's so fucking terrifying that, oh, if you get in too much debt, people will just take your fucking eyes. It's, it's very frightening. <laughs> And that was like a recurring theme throughout it. Like when the dead die, they take their eyes and organs and sell them to people. Mm. And I had no idea that was a thing and that's fucking horrifying. It's one of the scariest things in the film. Not in the film, of the show. Like the that show, bit where yeah. there's like the, the people who are half dead getting nailed into the coffins and just chucked into the incinerator. Yeah, it's like you lost, you get eliminated. It doesn't matter whether yeah. that gunshot didn't kill you. You got eliminated from the game. And I think yeah. there's a lot of, you know, the... The show is very good and really unique and really fun to watch. I do think, yeah, the the some of the plot lines like the body harvest, body harvesting, and then the cop as well, uh, they kind of just went nowhere a little bit. I did like his story though, just as a glimpse behind the scenes. I would have preferred a because without him being in the story, so much would go untold. It would, yeah. And, uh, and they could have maybe done it just like, you know, have the camera over the shoulder of like the main guy in charge. But I would have no problem a... with it if all they did was his brother explains why. Just like two words. Just when he says, why did you do it? And he just shoots him and walks away. It's like... Uh, it's the mystery, Lucas. There's no resolution, that's like, that's... but there's no plan for a season two either. The, the creator what said that, so... We might get one, but it's not as if he planted that seed for the next season he was already thinking about. Yeah. But I don't mind stuff like that because, you know what, that's very symbolic of um, just the nature of the show. Of Sometimes, just... Like, so I think, how many characters in that show just get fucking offed with no warning? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, oh, did you want plot... Do you want to tell... No. You don't get that. You don't get that luxury. And You're not entitled to it. The ups and downs are one thing, but Carl, we need to talk about episode six. 
Which one's episode six? The Marbles. Oh no. My girlfriend got so mad. Mad? She was so no, she got so mad when Ali got betrayed. Oh god, yeah. Because when she because she looked at me when he did that, because I got it in my head and she looked and went, No. And I just looked and I just nodded really slowly and she's like, No, Ali's so nice. And yeah. that's why he's dead. Exactly. He's dead because he's too nice. He's he trusts too, too much. Yeah. And it's the exact same way he died. It's, you know, it's the reason he's in this situation in the first place. He's too trusting. Mm-hmm. He's too trusting and he's not assertive enough and he dies because of it. He dies because he trusts other people. Yeah. And it's, that's a horrible message to send, but it's also a very poignant one. In that in that kind of situation, it is, yeah. Because Sangu realises, well, only one of us is going to fucking make it out. And he is, you know, a very up-until-the-end pragmatic person, to say the least. Yeah. Now, he's pragmatic from the start, isn't he? When he's, like, specifically not telling. Like, when he figures out the trick. Yep. He figures it out. He doesn't he even goes, tell his best friend how to beat the game. Nope. Because he wants his share of the money. And he knows at some point... He's going to have to kill he's him. He's going to either have to watch his friend die or kill him to get that money. So, you know what? If I don't share that information, it's not on me. That's one of the things I did when I was watching it. I was like, okay, how many of these situations are people forced to die? Mm. And like the first game, realistically, every single person could have made it. Yep, 100%. Get to the first game, and then the second game again. Realistically, every single person could have made it. Then you start getting to like uh, the third. Game it's like it was the honeycombs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Realistically, everyone could have made that. It'd been difficult, but even um, the main character he managed to do the most difficult one and figures out a way to do it with yep, an it unintended would have been solution. Yeah, but then you start getting like marbles and stuff. It's like okay, now we're going to cut you in half. Mm. Tug of war, cutting the numbers right in half. The bridge one. Theoretically, yes, you could make it cross here, but you pre- like when the guy works out in his head, it's thirty four thousand to one. Yeah, the first couple of people that is almost zero percent chance that you were going to make that through, unless you knew the trick like that one guy. Yeah, and that was, and then even when he knows the trick, he immediately gets shut down, and that I think was so beautifully symbolic of the message of the show, which is capitalism will do anything to grind you down. And that's thinks the show is such an obvious allegory for capitalism. Like, yeah, you think that there's the illusion that everyone can make it. Well, that illusion very quickly falls away um, once you get deeper into it. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't like the um, the glass bridge had to explode and make one of them dead to rights anyway. Yes, I would have. Th- I I think it would have made such a more interesting scene if that didn't happen and it was she all three dying. of them ready to fight in that night yeah but you know that's, but, that yeah. was the director's vision it was yeah and it, uh, that was still a really really like poignant moment when he's knocking on the door and he's like, oh finally you open the door finally somebody's gonna help and they just walk coffin. in with a coffin it's like no sangwoo yeah you fucking asshole you you did it and yeah that message for the show and it's so well handled where the illusion that anyone could win mm-hmm. because that's how capitalism gets you. It's the whole thing. It's like if you just try hard enough, anyone can make it. And then you look and so well, realistically, if everyone played perfectly, we'd still end up at the end with about eight people. Yeah, yeah, because that's it's it. designed that way. Yeah, just like capitalism, it's designed to grind people down so only a few people can even get their hands on the scraps. The people at the very top are even willing to. Um, but then the people spare. at the top can share their stories of like you know, quote unquote, the American dream and all that malarkey. Yeah, and that's well, one of the most I amazing. To make it so you can too. Yeah, 
and like one of the more amazing things that's happened, or one of the more amusing things that's happened in response to Squid Game is people trying to recontextualize. And now it's a teardown of communism. It's like fuck off, oh, you yeah. like because they're trying to make oh no, capitalism's not bad. It's like it fucking is. It's so obvious. The director has said, yeah, it's a deliberate teardown of capitalism. No, I was I almost brought that up to you, but like you mentioned last night that you'd seen it, and I was like, okay, yeah. We can mention it briefly, but um, I think it's, it's not that even worth Dorma take that we don't need to delve into it that much. No, but like just the more, some of the, it's very obvious, obviously, that some of the more subtle things that they do, you know, as a teardown of like, you know, it being a teardown of capitalism, just such as like the illusion that anyone could have won, mm-hmm. which is very slowly took away the further into it you get. So the deeper into the belly of the beast that you get, the more you can see that the deck is stacked against you. And then very, like, it becomes even clearer by the end when like you literally have. Oh, someone has a way to get through. Someone has figured out a way to cheat the put their thumb on the scale and tip the odds in their favor just a little bit, just the tiniest bit, not even a lot, just enough where they're not going to be horribly murdered. Mm-hmm. And we can't have that. We can't have that because our money's on the line here. Let's kill them. Yeah, and it, I mean, I understand Beautiful. that it's meant so to be- well done that these VIPs have enough money to fund it without needing the money back. But for the, that's the, point. the entire time I was going, but I don't understand. Are they like re- weirdly televising it to certain people that are giving them money or something? Is there's like secret sponsors behind it? It's like, no, like six rich dudes just want to watch the world burn. Uh, well, my reading of it was like from the moment they do it, it's like, well, it's going to be that twist. This is always the twist in stuff like this where rich people are betting on it. It's always rich people are betting on it. And one of the things that actually took me out of the show a little bit, besides the VIPs having terrible fucking voice acting. Um, Not voice acting, just terrible, they're terrible actors. Yeah, so I did see something along the lines of, it, essentially, a, it's exacerbated during lockdown, Korea. but they had to find actors in Korea that were Westerners and could speak English and Korean. Yep. And that's a really hard thing to do while also finding actors that are yeah, my girlfriend's good. Yeah, she summed it up. She used to be a teacher over in Japan. The moment she saw them and heard them voice, like heard their voices, sorry, mm-hmm. she just said they're teachers because there are, there's not enough white people in Korea to actually get good actors. So they just hired people who speak English that they could find. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why they're all it's terrible fucking actors. Whoever the fuck they can find that speak English, and that pool in Korea is just that limited that that was the best they could get. Yeah. And my reading of it, one thing that took me out of it was that when they start throwing the bets down. And the guy goes, how much do you bet? A million dollars. And I looked and went, are you fucking kidding? A million dollars? Is that it? Mm. You, like, a million dollars wouldn't even cover the cost of all the staff to running this place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because when like, they talk about like, the guy at the end, when he mentions, like, oh, I was so exceedingly wealthy that I had no challenge in my life. I and mean, it's like, a million dollars is such a drop in the ocean for the amount of money billionaires have because have you ever seen that like great breakdown on tiktok i think it was like here's a thousand dollars as a grain of rice here's how many grains of rice the average american has here's how many grains of rice in america not a millionaire has here's how many grains of rice a billionaire has yeah and it's like four sacks stacked high like a million dollars even scratching the fucking surface and then that brought me out of the show because i did the math in my head and well stan i'm guessing these guys you know the house will take like you know a percentage of this is a percentage of a million dollar bet really worth the funding of this entire thing? Is it really going to pay for the funding of this entire thing and this island? And they've only brought six people here and they're presumably the highest rollers they have. Mm-hmm. And they're betting a million dollars. 
Yeah, yeah. And it's one of those, I don't necessarily think that the percentage of the bet needs to be what pays for it. I think, you know, for example, the old guy is a perfect thing of, I had so much money, nothing meant anything to me anymore. So, so I, I just, just put a shit, like shit ton of money into this, along with a load of other people in my situation, because we just have nothing see. better to do. Yeah, we had nothing better to do than watch people fight over our scraps. Mm-hmm. But that just took me out. It reminds me a little bit of like in that Jurassic World, is it Fallen Kingdom, where they have like the dinosaurs and they have the billionaires again bidding on the dinosaurs. And like guy goes like, quarter of a million dollars. It's like, for a dinosaur? Are you fucking kidding me? That's a low like, Lionel ball, Mess, isn't it? Like Lionel Messi's worth $60 million. <laughs> Are you telling me Lionel Messi's worth like 400 dinosaurs? I don't think so. I think if I was like, you know, in that world, a dinosaur is worth more than Lionel Messi. Otherwise, I know what AC Milan's going to be fielding next game. And it's eight dinosaurs. <laughs> I'm putting a fucking Ankylosaurus in the net. Oh, that would, that would be incredible. Like, Just, oh, well, what's your offense? Two Raptors. Yeah. And that, that's the, it draw me out of it. Like the amount of money that they were betting was so laughably low. Yeah. Yeah. It but is, it, yeah. It, compared to when you look like look at the universe they've established as it's like they've got an entire fucking island like 10,000 members of staff mm-hmm. they're paying every single not paying the people coming but every single person who comes here represents like a hundred thousand dollar investment more than because think about the amount of money that you have to pay to those people to keep them on the island silent and then make them do all that shit no i meant the people they're bringing in because i think oh like, right okay yeah. out, the hundred million What's their currency? It's like forty-three billion one, is it? Yeah, and I think like a, a hundred. They say like a hundred million, which would be equivalent to like a hundred thousand dollars. Oh, okay. So it's like a really pitiful amount of money. They're actually like, all in all, though, the guy. I think if you win it, you could end up like million, tens of millions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it is a life-changing amount. But when they're saying like a oh, one person's life is worth a hundred million one, hundred thousand. Like, yeah. Each family would about a hundred thousand dollars. Like you probably spent more than that getting them to the island. Well, I I was. Like, thinking you meant um, the staff. Because think about oh, the staff how as well, many yeah. staff they have and how much you have to pay those people to A, do the job, and B, shut the fuck up about it. Yeah, how do you train them? I don't know. Yeah, it's, uh, that drew me out of it a little bit because it's such a laughably small amount of money to be paid. Like, you think if they were the high rollers, they'd be like you know the Jeff Bezos's. They've got billions in the bank, so a million dollars. billion dollars on this 16 to on 1 odds. Yeah. Or it'd be like he's like he wouldn't have one bet of a million dollars. He'd have like fifteen hundred million. Or they'd be chucking down like million dollar bets throughout the entire thing. So that's what I thought they were gonna do. But the only time they make they make like two bets in that entire thing. It's like, is it really worth bringing these people all the way out here if they're gonna bet like two million dollars? But again, because I was expecting I them think, to be constantly chucking out million dollar bets. I think the point of the the actual games itself is not to get their money back or to make a profit or anything. It's just the it's thrill. pure just enjoyment of watching people go through this and suffer and die and stuff. Which why I found that really amusing because it's like, oh yes, it's much better than watching it on a screen and then it sits them down in a room and they watch it on a screen. <laughs> Obviously they lift up the screen and show them the thing. I, I did think that's... for a second that they were just going to watch it on a big screen and I was like, hang on, what? No, yeah. they've just made a comment that it's better than watching it on a screen. But they're sat so far away from the actual action. They've binoculars. Yeah, they're, they're sat so far away from the actual action. They're wearing fucking masks over their faces. Also, they could barely fucking see. Mm-hmm. So I figured like, I was. that was a, another thing that took me out of it. Like, if they really want to be right, they want to see the people hit the floor. They want to see them splat. Yeah. 
they should be either closer to the action or there should be like fucking action cams everywhere. Yeah. And yeah. I was thinking like they should have like stuff in front of them that say, do you want to sit like, oh, do you want to push someone? Press a million. Like, here's a button that you can do to like push someone, million dollars. <laughs> Lower the time, million dollars. Raise the time, million dollars. You know, make it more of a game for the mm. people like, and just show that, like, you know, this is a game to them. Yeah. But I guess it did work. I just found that really funny of like, oh, it's better than watching it on a screen. Let's sit 400 foot away. And then one second later, I'm going to go fuck this dude. Something I could presumably do whenever I want as a billionaire. Yep. I found that really strange. I was like, oh, I want to go fuck this. It's like, you're rich as fuck and you've got literal naked women titties as your like headrest, which I thought was a super fucking swag look. Yeah. <laughs> like the, like whether you see the guy who's got like the woman's breasts as like um, uh, the headrest, it's like... You could pres- if this is how you live your life normally, you could presumably go have sex with someone whenever the fuck you want. But Carl, how often that, that do you get to see ha- people die? That cute eyes, Carl. It does. That's what it's like. How often do you get to see people die in front of you? Because that's presumably why you're here. You're paying to see it, mm-hmm. and to see the like, you know, the life drain from their I eyes. Think and kind of like- the point of that, I guess, would be, oh, now that my bet is down the drain, I am such a sack of shit. And this is so inconsequential to my life. It's literally just like a TV show. I guess, them. yeah. You can see it that way too. Like, I, I guess that might be the point, but I might be just overstretching there. And I, I do think the whole VIP segment did drag the quality of the show down a little bit. Just with how bad the actors were. I would have much preferred if they never said a word. And everything, yeah. yeah. I would have much preferred if they never said a word. Yeah. Because so it was distracting how bad their masks were. How bad the masks were, how bad the acting was, how just how much they were panning to them and stuff, and it just it felt unnecessary, really. Yeah, I would have much preferred if they were all just sat in complete silence and you just saw them pressing buttons on a screen, and occasionally maybe just giggling or something. Not even just yeah, just like how they, they, they died. Ju- but yeah, or just the complete lack of care, like a hundred percent lack of care. So just saw it, especially as well when like um, one a little bit that got me is when you see one of the waiters pouring a drink and he pours the drink in such a shit way he spills it all over the desk. It's like if these are like these are, must be the best waiters in the world because you're paying them like a million dollars to stay quiet, mm-hmm. and the fact he's spilling this super expensive drink, I was like, fucking come on. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't just kill him. So this, you'd expect this to be the most immaculate, perfect service ever. Yes, you would. If the amount of money these fuckers are paying. I mean, I was getting paid minimum to wage to attend silver service, you know, events. And I'd never spilled a drink. If I spilled a drink, I got fucking told off. Especially if it was like, you know, whiskey that cost like 800 quid a bottle. I got told off for not being able to clear an 11 person table in one go. <sighs> like, that's the kind of quality they expect from paying someone minimum wage for an agency. What do they expect over in that island? I did like the show. It was very good. The, the, the VIP episode there was um, uh, the definite low point for me. It was. And a lot of it could have been handled I, better. I think, yeah, episode six, the Marble episode, definitely a high point. And there's always little things you can nitpick, but it's still one of the best shows I've watched in a while. Oh, yeah, like I said, I was so entranced. Mm-hmm. I completely 100% hooked from moment one. See, I was the not. Only thing... The first couple of episodes, okay. I, I was personally, like, Jenna and I were sitting there going, it seems like a cool idea. I don't get why it's so hyped. And then we kind of got dragged in around the episode four mark. 
It's just the instant I saw the costumes. They the instant are I, I, so That iconic. song was like, yeah. just bum, bum, bum. I'm like, the fuck is this? What's this like? And then that, that Alice in Wonderland style hallway, like the MC Escher shit going everywhere. Oh, yeah, that was cool. And I was like, the fuck is going on? I do want to know how many people are going to wear squ- yeah. Squid Game outfits for Halloween, yeah. Well, the fact that I looked up about it, I was like, maybe I can talk about Squid Game for a fact video. Maybe there's an interesting fact about it that I can, like, you know, cover. Hmm. On a, I, one of the things I saw is sales of white vans increased by 8,000% after the show ended. Oh, God, that's terrifying. And not white, white vans, the shoes. Oh, I thought you meant... Did you think, like, like kidnap vans? vans? No, not kidnap. Like, oh, no, white no. vans... Wh- White vans, the shoes. Okay. And they asked the company for comment. It's like, presumably, Halloween costumes. Yeah. I got terrified. I was like, oh, no, everyone's just out there kidnapping people to make their own squid games. No. I I did hear that, like, there was a phone number in the show that was a real phone number, and they had to change it with CGI. Yep. And people were were calling that number, asking to play squid game. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? Why? Like, did you watch the first episode? You get murdered if you fail. But Carl, they are the protagonist of life. They're the special person. Well, that's like one of the things that sums it up, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, well, I know that literally every single person, like I've got a one in 400 chance of surviving to the end, but I'll make it because I'm special. Mm-hmm. And for some people, I'm sure it's not that. I'm sure that for some people, it's just a case of, well, it's either this or go back to, to worse than death, essentially. Yeah, sell my eyes. <laughs> selling your eyes just the just taking the eyes like the kidney okay you can live with one kidney yeah. you can live fun fact um, with half of your liver because the liver is one of the few organs in the body that is able to regenerate mm-hmm. but when it's the eyes it's so mean it is it's so mean that it's just well, the eyes that's, you need that's a way to get someone to pay their debt back isn't it yeah, I'm going to take, take your fucking, your fucking eyes it's not I'm going to break your legs I'm going to steal you of your eyeballs yeah you won't be able to see anymore. Dear God, I can't. I can't fix my eyeballs. My legs yeah. can heal. My eyeballs can't. Them bastards don't grow back, do they? No. No eyeballs for you. Oh well. Uh, Just ste- stealing eyes. I was gonna say we're like <laughs> getting a bit into what a hustle. It. A bit, yeah, a bit long in the tooth. So we end on dread. Should we? Yeah. Because the only thing I want to mention about dread is I'm going to send you an article. Oh. I don't. I don't even want you to read. I don't even want you to read the article. Oh, no, I don't I think you I know do which article it's going to be. Do you know which one is? It's either going to be a good one or a bad one, and I think it's okay, going to so be a bad the, one. Which one's the bad one? Uh, the bad one is essentially telling Samus to smile more. Yes! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So do you want to describe that while I find it? Uh, so I'm pr- I, almost certain that this was a Kotaku article. It was a Kotaku. You know it's a Kotaku article because it's fucking shit. It's a bad take about a video game. God. And uh, The title is... Dear Metroid Dread, Samus doesn't need to be an emotional robot to be a badass. Emotionless robot. Emotionless robot yeah. to, to be a badass. And I think we just yesterday recorded something to do with Metroid and talked about mm-hmm. how much they sell her badassery through just her eyes and her movement. Yeah, it's it's non-verbal storytelling to a T. It's mm-hmm. immaculate non-verbal storytelling in regards to Samus's characterization, and I think our friends summed it up best. Of just there's just the image of Samus so constantly charging up a charge beam on the sly. Yeah, <laughs> that's all you need to know. When she sees Craid and just starts charging a charge, beam, and she doesn't even raise a gun. Because I got spoiled about that 
Um, oh yeah, let me take a yeah, moment. take a note. Take a um, <laughs> I, speaking of spoilers, yeah, yeah, I need to mark when we started talking about Metro Dread spoilers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when I saw that spoiled in the trailer, I was like, "Well, you didn't have to put Kraid front and center in a trailer for the game that's not out yet." And I get that Kraid's a recurring enemy, but that's the only recurring enemy. Yeah, and the fact as well, he doesn't even get any play. Samus actively shows disdain at the fact she's got to fight this thing again. Yeah, but I was a bit annoyed about that, but I didn't see that, you know, holy shit, what is Samus' reaction to Kratos? She's like, for fuck's sake, just already again? charging a beam up, shooting him in the mouth. Like, are we going to fucking do this again? I already beat you twice, fuck you. It's like, really, Kraid? Uh, we're we... going to try this one again? Have I not proved you to you that I can kick your yeah. ass? And in regards to this article, it's written by a guy called Ian Walker, who is well known for be- having the shittest takes about video games. Oh, really? He just has, he constantly has shitty, awful takes about video games. And his raison d'etre online is writing stuff like this. And then when people criticize him, saying, um, telling them that they're wrong. And specifically, one of the things that you know he's wrong is when he talks about. There's a quote here from him. More importantly, this encounter makes Samus feel like a real person rather than a robotic alien killing machine. Bravery doesn't exist in a vacuum. Fear is something, and doing it anyway is the definition of courage. That Samus was obviously suffering intense, debilitating trauma from her past and managed to fight Ridley, bathed in every previous encounter between the longtime foes and New Light, and made her all the more heroic in my eyes. And that is him about the scene in Metroid Other M, one of the most criticised Metroid games ever in regards to its characterisation of Samus, mm-hmm. and the scene in which Samus Aran, who has canonically fought and defeated Ridley about five times up to that point, has a debilitating breakdown and PTSD over seeing Ridley again. And he describes it as one of the small scene, a small scene that stands out as one of the few good things the game did for Samus's character. And immediately there you go, you just you don't have to listen to anything he says. Yeah, just, okay, I can turn, I can click off this article now, I know you're wrong. He's a complete fucking moron. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He take, like Because he literally takes one of the most maligned and criticised scenes in regards to its characterization of Samus. Mm. Her being portrayed as just like a subservient, terrified little girl. Because in that scene against Ridley, I should point out that Samus has a flashback to being a child and they literally show um, the character become a child in Ridley's eyes yeah. and then have a man run in and shoot Ridley to protect her as she's screaming um, in terrified agony of like, please help me, saying, don't you know how to treat a lady? Yeah. And this writer's like, you know what that is? That's a really good characterization of Samus. And I think the best way it's been summed up is nobody ever says this about Doomguy. Yeah. Nobody ever says this about Master Chief. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever says this about Link. So we've talked a lot, haven't we, about a lot of Link's characterization he's done entirely through his movements. And screams. And he screams, yeah. <laughs> or like, you know, Doomguy, you know, Doom 2016, Doom Eternal. How much of Doomguy's personality has gotten across just through things that he does. Just the glory kills. Never says a word. Yeah, you can get his personality from the fact that once he kills a demon, he just literally tosses it aside because it means nothing to him. Or stuff like when Samuel Hayden says in 2016, oh yeah, we've got it all under control and Doom Guy just sarcastically motion, looks towards a dead body on the floor. Or the opening point of the game where the moment he's just, I think he's still naked strapped to a table 
And then he opens up the game by breaking the chains, killing a demon with his bare hands, and then pushing the exposition out of the room. Yeah, the exposition where they're trying to tell him what's going on, he pushes it out, he doesn't need to know. And from that moment, that's like, what, two, three seconds? Mm-hmm. You know everything you need to know about. You don't need him to talk. And if he talks, it'd actually weaken that moment because it's so strong on its own. Yeah, because all you need to know is this man, even in the worst dire situation, is that much of a badass that he'll break out and just be like, fuck it, I need to kill more demons. And Samus is the exact same way, like uh, the conversation she has with Quiet Rope. Mm. Where, like, she, when he starts talking to her in the Chozo language, she realizes, okay, he's not a threat. And she has that great moment where she just puts her arms down and goes, <sighs> just so she could listen to him. Because it's the first time she's had a chance to stop and breathe. <laughs> and I love that bit where she just, like, she points a gun, realizes he's not a threat, puts her arms down, and is like, okay, I'll listen. And then they Who have do the I need conversation, to kill next? and he's like, oh, yeah, so um, X and Y is going on. This is the strongest Chozo warrior in the entire, like, universe, essentially. He is the biggest threat that we have ever fought. And then she's just like, don't worry, I've got this. Yeah. That is uh, the, the only line in that entire game is her essentially just being like, no problem. Yeah. I'm fucking Samus Aran. I'll get this shit done. And so much of her, like, you, they get so much characterization across just through those motions. And again, that's something that's not been criticized. No one criticizes Doom Guy or. Master Chief or Link or any other me- Gordon Freeman, mm, yeah. one of the most popular video game characters of all time never says a fucking word in any game he's in Man, and, and, and it's like you said as well, the guy literally tells Samus to smile more god damn it, fuck off if people don't know why well, that's a bad thing uh, just ask any woman you know um, how much she dislikes being told to smile and if you don't have a woman in your life you can ask that question too that's probably part of the problem Oh, no. What is it, isn't it? Well, don't, if you don't um, have a wo- I'm just like, don't attack the listeners, Carl. What's the, if they don't have a trusted woman in their life they can have a conversation about this with? Maybe. But more like- they should probably, like, you know, work on that and find a woman you can have a conversation with where you can discuss something like this. Yeah. I'll we'll just go to Reddit and I know Reddit. Because <laughs> I've met a lot of women who, like, fucking hate this. Yeah. Like, oh, you'd be cuter if you smile. It's like, fuck off. Like, oh, my well, life that's is not very attractive is it it's like, well fuck off then and I just can't believe how wrong that guy is and the fact that he's like on Twitter being really annoyed about it of like oh people are just like you can't criticise anyone these days oh god and I think um, you know I've, I've heard other people talk about this in a bit more of a reasonable way of you know mm-hmm. I quite like um, not this. This is not me. This is other people saying, you know, mm-hmm. me uh, talking for them of just saying in Metro Fusion it was a nice compromise because, yes, yeah, she's a silent badass, but in those elevator scenes you get a glimpse into what Samus is thinking, and I'm like, fair enough. Yeah, her, yeah, her personality. Yeah, and then if you want an idea as well of just Ian Walker and the kind of um, response he's had to this, and like you know the level of maturity he's approaching this conversation is. Uh, a tweet from him here. Kind of weird that everyone wants Samus Aran to be a woman to remain silent. See, I can do bad faith bullshit too. Piss off. Yeah. Like, he's just really mad that people are criticizing him and calling him out for like, your is very bad wrong take. And he's like, no, you just don't understand what I'm criticizing. We do, and you're wrong. Yeah. It's like, just because. 
I mean, just because she's a woman doesn't mean she needs to speak at all. Just as you said, the multiple examples of males not doing it. But also, why is your take that the perfect example of what Samus Aran should be is being terrified of a monster that she's defeated four times over uh, you know, and being rescued by been, a man? <laughs> he's been deliberately contrarian for clicks. Of course, yeah. Like he, he makes bad takes for a living. And that's what that I thought of? that was. That's all that I thought it was. And just whatever, I can ignore that take because they're probably... They probably don't even believe what they're saying because they're just being a contrarian for the sake of it. But apparently, this guy is doubling down. Oh, he always doubles down. That's yeah. Ridiculous. He's a lot. I'll try. I'll try and find like his list of bad takes. Because um, I, I just it. assumed, yeah, whatever. They're just they're just spouting shit for clicks, and they know what they're doing. But apparently, this person is seemingly just smelling their own farts to the point where they're defending themselves. It's like, yeah, you just don't know. Like, you don't understand this video game. Okay. Okay. There's a reason why everybody loves Metroid apart from for other M. No, but Lucas, you don't realise that that game's actually really good because it shows Samus as being human. Because she breaks down in tears. Because, you know, the only way a woman can show emotion, or the only way a woman can, like, you know, show that she has a character is to break down in tears and hysterics. Yep. How can she possibly show emotion through any in any other way? And then just smash, smash cut to her, just like, you know, the nonchalant, casual charging of a charge beam. I'm like, yeah, okay, let's got this. Well, that's the thing is, I mean, after you've obviously talked about um, the other hot takes this guy has had, like, we need to talk about how good Metroid Dread actually is. I'm struggling to find his hot takes because he just deletes his tweets a lot. Ah, right, okay. One of those. Like, he's one of those people who like, he deletes his tweets and people aren't giving too much shit for it. And he's also as well playing the game of, um, oh, uh, I'm no longer going to be writing or posting anymore. Ah, does that one a lot. He's done that as well. But then he did that like three times um, in the reactions while only like, you know, responding to people who have been positive to of him. Of course. Well then, Carl, how good is Metroid Dread? Metroid is fucking rad. Unlike Ian Walker, I actually played the game and I'm <laughs> capable of passing media and understanding it on a level beyond the completely superficial. I also seemingly respect women a lot more than him and their agency and appreciate and um, have such a hunger for strong female characters who do not act, or act outside the expected norm for female characters in video games and media as a whole, yeah. which is, you know, just just stock damsels in distress who were screaming, oh no, Samus in that game is fucking rad. And not unlike Samus Aran, it's why, for example, I like games like Mass Effect, where, you know what? You can be Shepard a- can be a man or a woman, but I love to play just the most badass femme Shepard. That, yeah, she gives a shit about her crewmates, but she will not give a fuck when shit needs to be done. Yeah, and one of the reasons that game is so good for that is because they had to write basically gender-neutral dialogue for the entire game. Mm-hmm. No one ever comments on Shepard being a woman in any scene, no. basically, because they couldn't. And you know, if that game was made where Shepard was always going to be a woman, there'd be a lot of that shit because it's so ingrained in the industry as a whole. Yeah. And you just look at the Metroid series to see an example of that, where the previous game, canon in the series, before like Fusion, other M, was just rife with this shit. Mm-hmm. It's so horribly misogynistic and sexist. Yep. And I can only see Dread as a direct response to that of, like, fuck you. 
I, I think that's exactly why Dread went so hard in the other direction, because the previous game in the series that is technically still canon, just not really talked about by Nintendo, is all the fucking M. And like some of the stuff that happens in that, as mentioned, is Samus like um, having PTSD and cowering from a foe she's already defeated Constantly multiple times, having to be rescued by a baby. man. Yeah, being like absolutely baby crazy because you know Lucas, women have to embrace being mothers. She has to be baby crazy. And to clarify, this isn't even a baby of hers that she's worried about. She's constantly it's... bemoaning the fact that a baby Metroid saved her life and sacrificed itself to save her. Yeah. A baby Metroid, bear in mind, is something that she was sent to get rid of. Yeah. And she knows poses a grave threat to the galaxy. Just like, spoilers, she does now. Yeah, and it's as well as other stuff such as like almost every scene of her outside of her suit is just filmed in the most obnoxious male gazy way mm-hmm. because it's just every shot is a lingering shot of her asshole. They redesigned the zero suit to sexualize it more, put high heels on it. And this is all other just, by the way. Dread does not do any end. of that. The only thing they've really done is they've given Samus's silhouette a more distinctly female shape. And I think that makes sense because... Um, the idea her being a woman is no longer a secret mm. because it was originally a big reveal for the first game that oh you've been playing as a woman this entire time so they made her have just a very um uh, just generic silhouette it's like very male right? there's the wide shoulders the thin waist you know, i the, think the, as the well eight. a lot of that might have just been the limitation of the pixels they had on the nes even though even like the artwork though like the more detailed like artwork showed like right, what okay, yeah. could be taken to be quite masculine. She's you know, very the broad shoulders, the thin waist. The armor in this one, isn't she? Yeah, but it's like you know, the the typical like triangle shape for a very buff in shape man. Yeah. is like the design of the original suit that she wears, like her base suit. But in this one, it's a lot more live, a lot more form thing. So she has a clearly defined like bust and hips. But even then, the armor is not sexualized. Mm-hmm. It's just. It's form-fitting to her because she's a fucking, like, unit. She's a super in-shape six-foot-three female. Yeah. And they never... And what do I love? She never fucking takes that helmet off. No, she doesn't. She never takes that fucking helmet off, ever. The only thing you ever see of her is her eyes. And those eyes She has so much emotion through those eyes. Those eyes get fucking angry, Carl. Have you ever seen a character scream with their eyes any more than at the end of that game? That is the... I got so fucking... Actually, I was playing it on my Switch yeah. with my headphones in. And there's that moment where, oh, wait, Samus dead. And then she just goes, ah! <laughs> and then just starts absorbing, not just the energy of the thing she's fighting, but the entire space station and every living thing aboard it. Because that's a space station full of monsters and ex-parasites, and she absorbs them all into her yep. and delivers a punch so God almighty, the spaceship she's on crashes because <laughs> she took all its power. And then... The ex-parasite forms with Raven B, but makes Mega Raven Crade, and Samus goes, nah. <laughs> just obliterates it. Nah. While screaming the entire time. And just, I, I after I played that bit, I saw the meme pop up of woman literally too angry to die. <laughs> and it's just oh, the, that eye pop that she has. Yeah. And I thought it was edited until I played the game again and realized, no, her eyes actually get that big and bulge out of her head as she screams like a fucking <laughs> madman. And it's like the only other line she has is her speaking in an alien language, but just that's it. Just she just goes fucking Super Saiyan. She really does. I think she goes soup straight to like Super Saiyan Blue or some shit. And one of the things I noticed about like you know the story, because I was just so hype, I was like rushing through it the first mm. time. 
Um, the dialogue is one of the reasons she gets so fucking pissed off is when Ravenbeak refers to her as his daughter. And, the, and she gets really pissed off at that idea because, like, he's saying that as if he has some sort of ownership over mm-hmm. her. And again, this is why I see it as a direct response to other M, yeah. where a male figure in her life is claiming ownership over her and is, like, basically saying, you are an object that I will use. I will clone you and create an army of subservient Samus clones that will do whatever I tell them to. And Samus's response to that, when she hears it through the guise of Adam... Mm-hmm because Raven Beach pretends to be Adam is, to immediately shoot it in the face and go Super Saiyan. <laughs> and I can always see that as a response to other M of Adam telling her what to do and her being like, yes, Adam, yes, Adam, I'll do whatever you say, Adam. Thank you, three bags full, sir, yes. And something that um, you pointed out to me that I hadn't picked up on after one playthrough was, um, so at the end, Raven Beak is shown to be, you know, talking on behalf of what you think is Adam, the AI. He's pre- he's pretending to be him the entire game. But it's, yes. Yeah, it's not just the end, because I thought it was just the end where he'd taken over pretending to, to have that facade. And it's no, it's the entire game from line two that Adam speaks. Is is Ravenby pretending to be Adam, and she's been manipulated by a man to do something. And how does Samus respond to figure, find out she's been manipulated by a man? who claims ownership over her. Oh, she screams so loud that the universe itself quakes in fear. <laughs> she obliterates an entire planet out of sheer anger at being told what the fuck to do. Yeah, and I think it's... it's um, you pointed it out again. Like, um, that... Uh, Adam, turn one, calls her and refers to her as Lady like he does in the other games. Yeah. And then the entire game... Is just Never says it again. him being told, uh, Samus being told, sorry, that you are not powerful enough, get more powerful. Raven Beak is far too strong. Yeah, you must get more powerful so we can awaken her latent Metroid DNA. And I need to go to the bathroom right now, mate, I really need to pee. Oh, yeah, go for it. So I'll be back in a sec, we can close yeah. off. So you're back, Carl? I am, yes. So I apologize for that, folks at home, but I've been holding a pee in for like half an hour and just like getting so hype about Samus. This is. Maybe not my favourite Metroid game. I can't can't clarify that just yet, but definitely my favourite Samus. Uh, yeah, this is my absolute. This is canon Samus to me now. The um, as I said, like the non-verbal storytelling um, in regards to like her emotions in any given scene. That is Samus now. Like just that that casual sass with which she approaches every situation. Mm-hmm. Just like the little things, like her walking in and out of um, uh, like the elevators and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Where you can just tell there's like a weight and stuff to her armor. And so, you know, she just like, you know, hobbles down the stairs and then she has like a little, like, you know, moments where she flexes the shoulders. Like, okay, back on action. But even or, like, when she gets in. During Sorry. action, her animations are so just fast and smooth. She looks awesome. Yeah, like when she like points the gun over her shoulder. Mm. It's like, oh, she does like the slide animation and she's constantly just, you know, got a gun on Man, up, that slide is to. satisfying. It is, especially when you land it perfectly and go underneath an enemy. That first time you do it, though, and you get the slowdown animation, I thought, if they do that for bosses every time, I'd love this. But they only do it a couple times, and I was kind of hoping to do it more. Wait, I've never slid under an enemy. Um, some of the bosses have phase where you can slide underneath them. Oh, I yeah, I did that for the one that gives you the cross bomb. So obviously, you have, I think you have to do it for that. And the first boss with like the total weak point, um, I think the, yeah. both of those you have to, but I thought you meant as in you can slide under like a standard enemy and get a cool cinematic shot or something. 
Nah, you can't really do anything like that. But yeah, just her animations are so fucking good. Yeah, they are. Like the one where she's at the Saiyan pod on the way to Ravenbeak. <laughs> when she's like, you know what? Fuck it, I need to sit down. Boom! She just was like the Leon Kennedy, yeah. just when he sits on the chair. And I've, like, I've earned this, I'm going to have a sit down. Just, I still want to go back and play other Metroid games, but going back and playing the old games that don't feel as smooth as this is going to be harsh. It's going to be a tough one, yeah. I'm not sure how I'm going to do it. Like, Super Metroid is like, oh, there's one of my favourite games of all time, but with how good it feels to just run around in this game. Yeah, because I can deal without the parry. I don't need the parry in Super Metroid. That's not what I'm asking for, but just how well she controls, how fluidly she runs, how just everything flows into one another. It feels so damn good in this game. Yeah, and just when you've got all those things, in, combining them in tandem against boss fights and bosses, yeah. can't touch her. Like, my fight against Ravenbeak, when I've done it, like, uh, did it for the third time on stream, he got, like, two hits in. Yeah, I was just telling you the other night as well, like, I had a similar experience of I beat it for the second time, and my first fight against Ravenbeak for the second time was really rough, and just give me a second to, to reacquaint myself, but the second time he got, like, one hit on me the entire fight. Yeah, and it just really highlights, like, how untouchable she is, mm-hmm. and... It's such a good setup for the next game where, oh, Samus, you are now a Metroid. You're the most dangerous thing in the universe. I really hope that the ending didn't just delete all of that. You can't do that. I think like the implication is she still has the Metroid DNA, but she like you know she has some to control it. Yeah, she has some modicum of control of it because now when they realize, oh, she's effectively the world's most, the universe's most dangerous bioweapon, we can't let her walk around. She's too dangerous. Far too dangerous. Like I, I was saying the other night playing Smash, wasn't I? Just if you let, not even necessarily full Metroid Samus, just Metroid Dread Samus by the end with all her upgrades, let loose on this cast, she'd be so powerful. She'd be unstoppable. Because that's the thing. Her power now is she absorbs and then just takes the power of anything she wants, and that's like another. Great example of the non-verbal storytelling with Samus, where um, throughout the game she just like tensively touches opponents that she kills and takes their power. Mm-hmm. A pretty common thing in Metroid games. So you realize, oh, no, that only usually happens when she touches Chozo things. Like she'll kill enemies, but she never generally gets an, an upgrade directly from the enemy. She'll go into another room after that the enemy was guarding and find like a Chozo statue. Find in. the item sphere behind the boss room. Yeah, and it makes sense that Samus would get power-ups from Chozo statues, you now her suit is made of their technology. But in this game, she's directly drawing power from, like, the Emmys. Like, the Emmys, if you, presumably you notice on, like, um, when you start getting a bit further, yeah, every power displayed by an Emmy is the one that Samus absorbs. Mm-hmm. Like, the speed boost one you get speed boost from. Yeah, yeah. The one that sees through walls is the one they get the wave beam from, mm-hmm. because obviously it sees through walls, deep, but let's go through walls. And she's getting those powers. And then, towards the end of the game, where she embraces her Metroid thing, and she's she stops even tentative. She just grabs enemies by the throat and just literally squeezes the life out of them. Yeah, those last couple of fights against the ex-Parasite Chozo soldiers where after you do the quick time event counter thing, she just grabs them by the head, forces them down onto the ground, shoots them and absorbs them. Like, I think if you look, she doesn't even shoot them. She just holds them down and steals the life I think she does get one final shot off them in the mouth. Just to, you know, make sure they know. But dear God, I think the very last one she might, because um, there's that cutscene 
where she just stops the Emmy with her bare hand and just shuts it down. I think that yep. very last one against the Golden One, she might just absorb it with her fist. I can't remember. Yeah, it's like the Emmy goes to stab her and she just stops it. Of like, you know what? Fuck you. You've done this And enough. even in that animation, you can tell that she's having that thing of, holy shit, I'm stopping this thing. And then gains the confidence. It's like, no, fuck you. And it's like the same thing he does with Ravenbeat, where he's like, sleep now. She's like, no, fuck yeah. you. And so I found out it's really great as well, because obviously... Samus only has like two lines. The voice actress for Samus is like the Spanish voice actress for Google. Oh, really? Or something like that. Do you like Google when you ask Google like a question? The assistant. It's like it's like the Spanish one. So she's not even like a primarily English voice actress. Well, yeah, Mercury's theme is um is a Spanish studio, yeah. so that does make sense. They just they just grabbed a lady who speaks Spanish and because she doesn't really like realistically, she had to say some words in a made up bird language and then scream really loudly. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, I just love that. Um, like a big middle finger to Mercury Steam for not giving credit to anyone that worked on the game that didn't work there. For oh like yeah, twenty five percent of the time or whatever. That uh, just as I little, saw that. Fuck those guys. Little footnote. That's a really bad policy. You should fucking change that shit. Yeah, and there'll presumably be a patch to the game to put them people back in because like people are very not happy about I would that. Hope so. It's a sour note or otherwise great. It is. Game. It's like just credit people for the fucking work, you morons. Also, Ian Walker, you do shit takes. Stop writing about video games. <laughs> it's just like, it's one of those things where I looked at it and went, is this one of those things where the headline is there to get clicks and the guy actually has a point? And then I read it and goes, well, in defense of other M, it's like, okay, turn it off. Yeah, no. Straight into the trash pile this goes. He clearly doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Like, defending one of like the most universally agreed to be like sexist interpretations of an otherwise great character. Yeah. A, a interpretation so poor and so bad the series has never recovered or no it's only just recovered from it like you know a decade later and has never mentioned that game again nintendo just act like that game does not exist they outright refuse to make they devil may cry to it, it where it's like yeah i saw it summed up where there is a blip on one bit of marketing material that mentions other m whereas like the metroid dread uh, marketing campaign has largely been about remember all of these other awesome Metroid games and just never mentions Metroid Other M. It's like when even when the people making the game, which includes the guy who directed and wrote that game, don't mention it. Yeah, because Sakamoto, who you know was over overseeing or maybe directed Other M, still overseeing the franchise to this day. But I don't think he has as much of a hands-on role because like Other M was the one where he was given the most control. And they seem to have realised that was a mistake because his idea of what Samus should be as a character is fucking awful. Steeps in misogyny and just antithetical to everything else the series has put forward at this point. Uh, I'm, this hope- point. I'm hoping that it's, that he learned after the reaction to other end that he shouldn't have done that. Uh, that's me being the optimist. But either way, yeah, fantastic game. Um, go play it. Incredible. And Lucas, would you like to end on anything you'd like to plug? Because I apologise, like, you know, this went on a bit long. It did, but we had lots to talk about, Carl. We did. Maybe we didn't have to talk about um, uh, Black Widow as well. Maybe not. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a nice long episode for people, I guess. But um, I would just like to plug my gaming stuff. You can find me um, streaming over on Twitch at Legend of Canto. Uh, and my YouTube is Legend of Canto as well. And then if you want to find me on socials, probably... The thing I use the most is just Twitter, which is Canto Legend underscore. Mm-hmm. And then also, you know, if you've got any questions, send them to uh, 
carlscornerqa at gmail.com. Um, well, presumably, another, is there a lot in there? Do you know? I'm not sure how often you check that. Do you think there's enough uh, to get another episode out of it? Not yet, because I was saving for a week when we weren't able to record, so it only went out like a week ago. So oh, that's, that's fair, usually yeah. so when people... we get a bit more of an influx of um, questions again. Because people hear about it. That's fair enough. And uh, for myself, just, you know, Carl Smallwood. Also, play Metroid Dread. Do it. Play Metroid Dread and uh, I go watch the um, uh, either What Happened episode about Other M or just go look at the cutscenes just to know where we're coming from. Because I feel like it's really difficult to um, uh, overstate how bad that game is just from just a direction standpoint because we talked we started this episode talking about bad voice direction and voice reads like the voice of samus is fucking terrible it is and there's so many things they did wrong with her character in that game and not a lot of people played other m i believe more people will have played metroid dread in a week than ever played other m good so yeah Maybe if you don't know why we're we're hating on that game, just go have a little look up on it. Yeah. Don't buy it. Also, respect women. Yeah, respect women. Respect women and, you know, play games that have strong female characters in them because they're awesome. I want to see more of it. Hell yeah.